We were good, we were cold, kind of dream that can't be sold. We were right, till we weren't, built a home and watched it burn. Mm, I didn't want to leave you, I didn't want to lie, started to cry but then remembered I, I can buy myself flowers. Cyrus, that was her award-winning single, Flowers. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Uh, you know, we're always adding different music to the show. Last week, we had Nora Jones on. The week before that, I believe it was uh, Mark Cohen uh, walking in Memphis. So, no, this isn't like this. <laughs> Jackie, no. News on the flip side plays. No, we play stuff like uh, Ramstein and Metallica and... Um, Oh, a couple of other ones. They're just just much heavier than it is here. It's a much lighter beat here. We're not we're not looking to blow ourselves out of the thing. Uh, our first guest tonight is uh, James Dave James Dave James Davis. So wait, first off, man, nice to have you on the show. Thank you very uh, much. I'm delighted. Nothing, we, we're all nice and friendly here, so nothing to be nervous about. Uh, lots of cute people watching. So if you're single, mm-hmm, uh, no, <laughs> I'm just teasing. Uh, anyway, how are you today? I mean, so how, I mean, I know we can't, we can only go in certain places because we, we haven't got to LA yet, but uh, so how does it just feel, man? I mean, is it like surreal or is it really sunk in that? Holy crap. I've actually won this. I'm, I'm, I'm up here. And, and it, it feels amazing. Um, it hasn't fully, fully sunk in yet. Um, I'm currently at the superstars writing seminar. Um, I, I was honored to receive a scholarship to come here, oh, and 
I, I sort of have this habit of not looking beyond the next big thing. Uh, so Rise of the Future is, is the next big event, but I've been preoccupied with uh, focusing on superstars so far. But I, I can't believe I, I've been trying to win Rise of the Future for over 10 years, and it's been wonderful, wonderful to have finally done it. Well, you know, I've met a lot of a lot of winners over there now, and I think, oh Jesus, now at least or oh, uh, fifty or sixty authors, fifty or sixty illustrators, not including people I've talked to previous winners before the years I started uh, started going. I, it's, uh, I know it's it's a big thing. I know it's a big win. But tell me a little bit about where you are right now. We'll talk about the award in a minute. But tell me a little bit where you are right now. Tell me a little bit about this superstar thing. I'm always interested. Um, I'm always interested in new stuff, or, or I should say, stuff that can I can get involved with. Yeah, it's a, a conference uh, for writers, run by run by writers. Uh, some big names here like Kevin J. Anderson and, and Jim Butcher, um, and many others, and uh, about 400 attendees. And it's uh, it, it's a whirlwind. It, it, non-stop sessions from pretty early in, in the morning until late afternoon, and then all the networking and socializing afterwards. It's 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 something. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, if you if you're serious about your craft, I mean, you want to be involved in all of this. I know because I know there's a lot of stuff that goes on at Writers of the Future when you get there that really will help any writer out or any illustrator for that matter out. I hate to just put it just in the writers. But so 10 years, so that's um, – did you do four, four a year or did you just do one a year? Or? I, I did not. I did uh, two, uh, one after the other, and then took a bit of a break for life and such. And then over the last uh, year and a half, I entered every single quarter. Yeah. So about 10 submissions total. Uh, that's that's good. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people, and you know, it's one of the, my favorite questions to ask. Because you know, some people tell me like fourteen. I, I know there was one guy; it was forty-two or forty-nine before he won. That's a lot of submissions, ladies and gentlemen. I'm pretty sure he was submitting for a year. But sometimes that's what it takes to get there. But I know, I know, at least with them, they do offer some guidance along the way. You know, if you get an honorable mention or things like that, uh, they'll offer some guidance. Uh, I can't wait to see you when you get there. I always, I always love watching y'all go through the courses and a lot of the other stuff that goes on that's involved there. And it's always also really nice to watch you mingle with people like Kevin J. Anderson, Dean Wesley Smith, and others that are there. You know, there's a lot of big names that are there, and uh, it's just nice to see it. For me, it's really nice because I see two things. I see the winners uh, who are, who have made it there. Who are, Some of y'all have already been writing for a while and, and, and are moving along, and um, some are just getting there. But it's just nice to see how y'all interact with the judges. Uh, because, like I said, most of these judges we know are, are fairly big names. Um, if if you mention them in public, most even non-author people would probably know who a lot of these 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 authors are, um, and they give a lot of good advice. I'll tell you this: I couldn't write three lines in a three. I just I couldn't write even three lines. I'm not even gonna lie to you. You know, I, I do a lot of lecturing, so I, I um I've been trying to write some books for years. I just for some reason certain parts were just like alien to me for the black ways after listening to this because remember i'm not an attendee i'm just there working media um i have learned so much uh just just you know the business and i didn't have to worry about because I, I run two companies of my own but the um just the way things work actually got me to pace i think i'm at sixty-seven thousand words now so i'm, I'm congratulations you know. that's a big chunk of work yeah, what kind of mess it actually is, we'll find out later on. Uh, but still, you know, it, it is y'all, you people like you encourage me. I mean, because look, I'm older than you are, and I'm thinking, well, shit, if he can do it, why can't I do it? This is BS, man. It's a, but it is a lot of encouragement. And 
I get it. I get it. I, I get an unfair advantage because I get to talk to y'all and I get to talk to the judges and I get inside advice from both sides, you know, from the people who won and what they're going through and the, and the people who are big and what they've been through. You know, I learn a lot from that and it's stuff that we share every chance we get. We, we want to share. I mean, for you, so, so one day you just woke up and said, I'm going to write, or was this a progressive thing or, no, um, when I was younger, I picked up one of David Farland's fancy books, and it was my, my first fancy book. Uh, I, I'd like to read before then, but I fell in love with reading because of him, and uh, I, I was obsessed, read all of his books, uh, signed up for his newsletter, and I didn't realize his newsletter was for writers, not readers, and in it, he told people how to write, uh, so I did, and at some point, he, he mentioned the contest, and I decided, you know, if, if he said it's a good thing to do, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, well, he's he's pretty brilliant in what he does. I mean, <laughs> uh, it's it, it is to see all these courses, and I'm glad to see this because there's some stiff competition coming in there. And I'm not talking other authors. I'm talking AI, and uh, I I want to see I want to see the authors keep pushing the AI out, which is what I've been seeing so far. I've been pleasantly happy and pleasantly surprised uh, to see y'all um, really. Well, how can I say this? Um, outright the AI. Yeah, I think AI has quite a long way to go before it can create create stories uh, on its own. It yes. can be used as a helpful tool for proofreading and such, uh, I reckon, if you use it responsibly. But creatively, it's got a long way to go. Um, Art-wise, uh, I'm more afraid. Humans are way, way better, and, and there's heart and soul and, and yes. liberation in their art. Um, but... Uh, Previously, the illustrators of the future rules uh, explicitly said uh, we permit computer-generated art, and I, they meant Photoshop and stuff like that. But AI was new, uh, so I thought it'd be fun to to have a go, and I got the call as finalist uh, with AI-generated art that I did in the evening. And uh, I, I immediately confessed, and I said, "I know your rules say it's permitted, but I don't think you meant this." FYI, I used AI, and, and they very gently disqualified me. Um, mm. But it's it's that's a big contest, and I can't draw stick figures. And I was a finalist, one of the top. Uh, I know, and I'm with you. And you know, uh, this banner you see up here, the banner from two of my other shows, are all AI generated. I, um, for for small, you know, I um, was talking with a local um, gaming company down here in New Orleans. It's a big gaming company came down here a couple of years back, and they came down and offered everybody the same pay. You could be an illustrator, an author, or a programmer. They were paying a hundred grand to start a year. Um, so when I, I interviewed him just, just a couple of weeks ago, because he's a friend of mine, he's also a friend with Elon Musk, who I'm trying to get an interview with. So he, uh, he goes, he said, what I'm doing, Joe, he said, I'm going to use AI. He said, but I'm not getting rid of any of my illustrators or any of my authors. He said, matter of fact, I'm hiring even more. He said, because what I'm doing is, is we're creating the stories together. We go in what he calls it a story creation room where they go in and the authors all get together and they hash back and forth and, and, you know, all the writers get back together and they go back and forth till they, they get the story done. And while they're doing this, the illustrators are actually in there doing hand, you know, just hand art. And uh, he said, then he said, what does I do is I turn it over to AI to have them fill in really fast. And then we stop and we come back and we look at everything. We get back with all the authors, all the industries, and we go over everything. He said, so what's happening here is instead of taking me five years to produce a game now, I'm going to be able to do it in two. He said, so it'll be cheaper for the consumer. Nobody loses their job. Everything works great. Cause he said he doesn't trust AI to do 
one, he doesn't feel like AI has any kind of heart and soul to it. So there's no pulling any real stories out of it. And, uh, and he says, as far as illustrations go, it, it does really well, but there's times it just F's up and goes off on a tangent somewhere. Uh, a good one was the mall, the supposable big alien in the mall in Florida where they had all the 50 cops out there. Um, you could tell like in the one group where everybody was squatting, the hands were this long, the human hands were this long. You knew right when you seen it, it was AI. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there, there's just things like that that you know, and, and it's going to, you know, people are going to try to use it for that kind of stuff. But so, I mean, you got to, yeah. So you just, I mean, do you like, so how can I say, oh, so I got a few of my friends who are writers, but they write, they're like nine to five writers. Uh, they just, they just, you know, okay, it's daytime. I'm going to go write. I don't want to be disturbed. I'm just going to write. I don't know how the hell they do it, you know. And so can you write like that? Or are you one of the ones that when it comes to you, you just have to sit and write? Because I, I don't know. It's different for everybody. It's kind of strange. If I had a choice, I'd sit down, have candles, the right lighting, the right music, and, and write nonstop for four hours. But my life uh, doesn't permit that. Um, I'm on call 24-7, and I, I work somewhere between 40 and 100 hours a week. And I've got Sound four like small kids. Uh, so I, I write in, in any like three or four minute gap I can get when I'm walking from my car to a desk, I'll, I'll be writing. And when I'm driving on the rate and edit, when I'm on the toilet, it's just whenever I got whenever a few minutes, can, yeah. I write. Yeah. Well, I finally, I finally put in a recording program in my phone. So when I'm driving now, uh, when I get, when I get into the story mode, I can actually just tell it and have it written down later on um, because I have to, because if not, I'll forget it. And then I'll be, aggravated for the next week trying to figure out what it was in my head that i just completely forgot because uh, i can't just stop and pull over the side of the road even though i have done that twice where there was a rest area nearby <laughs> and no christopher i am not an author by any means and don't even you can't even call me a stick author meaning that i know uh, i'll eventually i'll eventually get two books out because one's just all data so there's not really all that much to that and the other one's actually a really good long 11 day trip we took to um Gulf Breeze, Florida, which is really freaky, scary, and trippy. Uh, so eventually it'll all get out, but, um, well, you know, as long as I get it out before I die is all that matters, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like I'm planning to get rich off of or anything. Oh, it might make a good movie, though. It could be a scary-ass yeah. movie. Um, what's, what's that, Denise? So, Denise, Denise, where are you writing in from? Oh, New York. You know, we last come nights, we've been having a lot of people writing in from New York. What are y'all, bored up there or something? Uh, I mean, <laughs> said that the wrong way, but you know what I mean. I mean, because we've just been having a lot, a lot of New Yorkers write in, and since we're not talking about Trump, I'm surprised that so many of y'all have been writing in lately. So, but anyway, what do you, what do you, what do you have for James? What, what are you, I should say, what are you, what are you asking, James, Miss Miss New Yorker girl? Oh, you want to know what genre he likes to write in? Well, we'd have got to that, but since you asked, well, we'll go ahead now. Um, she's just, she's just curious. Do you have a particular genre you like to write in? Um, she said that, you know, she knows that you're writing for writers of the future, which means you're within a certain group of genres that they write in, but do you write outside of that group? I guess is what yeah. she's trying to figure out. Uh, so, so I, I consider myself a fantasy writer. I read almost solely fantasy. Uh, but whenever I try to write a shorter story, like, like you need for writers of the future, it always comes out sci-fi. Uh, and I, I read maybe two sci-fi books uh, in my life, other than all of the short stories <laughs> in writers of the future. I've, I've read a lot of the writers of the future volumes because yeah. they're, they're great. Um, but yeah, yeah like so I, I have, I have uh, my, my winner was a sci-fi um, and I love it, but uh, the, the novel I finished is a, an epic fantasy. Mm. Uh, Stephanie Reese is writing in. She is in the Florida Keys. Uh, she wants to know what is a fancy story? What is fancy writing and what is a fancy story? That's exactly how she asked that. Uh, fancy or fantasy? 
Uh, yeah, that's what I'm asking. English. I think maybe my accent threw it up. I meant to say fantasy. Maybe so. Uh, it sounds like fantasy to me, but you know, we both have accents, so it's, uh, I'm used to listening to people with accents. No, no, you. Is he right or wrong? I mean, okay, so you thought he said okay. That's all we want to know. No, fantasy is fantasy. You know what fantasy is? Fantasy is just out there dreaming about whatever the hell you're dreaming about. Um, you mean love stories? So Mike is writing. He's out in uh, somewhere out in California. He just put on this thing somewhere in California, whatever that means. Um, he wants to know if you like if you include love stories inside of like your sci-fi or fantasy. Uh, yes, uh, I mean it depends on the story and whether it's appropriate. Um, I, I don't read romance, so I don't write stories that are primarily about you know the love and, and that aspect. Uh, but I think it's an important part of most people's lives. So th there's normally a, a subplot or some backstory involving love. So you just, so Christopher, you just think everybody should have a girlfriend or a boyfriend in spaces, which is, <laughs> that's, but that's not true for earth. About only about half of the planet is coupled up. The other half planets out single doing whatever the hell they're doing. Yeah. I mean, so it's true. So yeah, I ain't going to argue with you. Um, so in my short story, the, the, the love is from a retired gentleman for, uh, his, his neighbors who are, who are much younger than him. And it's not, it's not a intention of coupling. It's, it's like a familial love, like a found family mm -hmm. love. Yes. Uh, people who've known each other for a long time, trust each other. Um, I don't know, James. So what do you, what? Oh, oh, um, oh, shit. You said that wrong. And now, now that you said that it's, it's, it's out of my head. He's wanting to know about, um, near now sci-fi um what the hell you call it when you're writing about something that's like really near future something yeah. that's just a few years out or you know a couple of decades out he's asking do you write in in those in that type of genre is what he was asking i've i've done a couple short stories in, in that genre i haven't managed to sell them yet um it's i personally it's riskier for a novel uh because by the time you get to the end of the novel and the revisions that near future has come past uh, for example, if you were writing about AI, AI last year, at the beginning of last year, you'd, uh, you'd be yeah, right at the end of it. So, isn't that the true shit? Yeah. You no, have to go really further and hope you're right. So, uh, so what do you mean, Dean? Oh, so you're talking like Dean's talking about like 30, 40 years in the future. So, well, I guess you could say 100 years is, is, is near future, too. I mean, it's near future compared to everything past it, yes. So you you mean so you mean stuff like the expanse and altered carbon and things like that? Okay, I, I understand what you mean there. Well, they're, they're my, all my good TV story series. in uh, Rise of the Future, which is called Ashes to Ashes, Blood to Carbon Fiber, is is closer to that vein of altered carbon and, and the expanse. Um, well, I'm going to enjoy that myself then. Uh, I, I hope so. Um, it's based on a, a technology that if we did somehow invent. Uh, the, the future would contract so much, you know, what, what we could achieve in 100 years would become achievable in five or 10. So it's kind of hard yeah. to place on a timeline. This, that's, I mean, we, we, so when I was born, uh, the average gap was 105 years. The average gap in computer science now is two. So, I mean, we're flipping two every two years. And, and well, we, now we're getting into quantum. So we might even be going faster than that soon. Uh, well, people, there was things that are considered that held us back. Uh, there was the burning of the great library of Alexander. They say cost us 1500 to 2000 years. And then certain religions and certain things in the dark ages probably cost us another 1500 years. Yeah. So when you, when science looks at us today, they think we should be 4,000 years further in the future is what they think. 
we can only go by what we've lived. So we're here. This is where we are. It's no reason crying about it because it's not like we're just going to leap forward 4,000 years. And, and conversely, the printing press and the transistor and chariots or threw us forward hundreds of years. You yes. know, we hadn't invented them. That's true. It's a, uh, well, no, I, and I have heard Dean, I have heard that, um, that computer science was an accidental invention, but so it depends on what you believe. I mean, I've heard, four different stories on how the microchip came to be. Uh, so it's, it's all, it's, well, no, technically it's silicone, just like a tube is a tube was silicon. Okay, dude, microchips are made out of silicone glasses made out of sand. They're both made out of the same substance. The difference is was when we went solid state, went a little tiny from a tube that was this big and this big around. We went from that to a little bitty chip that did the same exact thing. Uh, hey, natural progression. Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, uh, um, I'm not going to argue because I don't know. I mean, I don't know exactly how it got. It came from that to that. I've heard, like I said, I've heard at least four different ways, including recovering stuff from the Roswell aliens. So it could be any of that. And you know what? We'll probably never actually know because none of us were alive when it happened. So we'll just take it at faith and we got it. Why bitch about it? Uh, It works really good is all I can tell you. None of this would be possible without that little tiny chip. Yeah, well, when I was in a service, we were running eight cores 30 years before most people even knew what a real single core was. Yeah, y'all were still getting Bigfoot hard drives and stuff that were like this big and this thick and had <laughs> two gigs of memory. And <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry, I got a sidetracked. I apologize, James. Uh, that kind of stuff always cracks because it is, it is true how fast we're moving right now. I mean, it really is. Yeah. Um, so. So, no, Rich, I think you already asked that, but I'll answer him again. I'll ask him again, but I think we already answered that. So, anyway, they're jumping back to favorite, favorite genre. If you could, if, if somebody told you, let me read this correctly. He said, if someone told you you could only write one thing, you know, one specific thing and nothing else, what would it be? It would be adult fantasy that's a bit immature. So, not quite young, fan, uh, young adult. It's not about coming of age, but. Immature adults, because uh, I'm I'm pretty immature. Most of the people I really like are a little bit immature from time to time. Uh, so it would be that stuff like uh, Scott Lynch's uh, "The Gentleman Bastards." Uh, apologize for the cursing, oh, and uh, it, stuff of that vein. It clearly says on our network, twenty-one and over. <laughs> so you know, you'd love the T-shirt my my oldest stepdaughter gave me. It says an, an occasional adult. That's what <laughs> I wear it. All people look at it like. And they look at me like, no, I said, it's true. I'm an occasional and I'm not always an adult. I can't help myself. Uh, I'll tell you a little secret about men, ladies and gentlemen. We never true, uh, even though we can be mature and we can be great, we even be president. Somewhere, even in Donald Trump and Joe Biden, there's a little boy trying to escape. <laughs> it's just, it's just, uh, I'm, I'm unfortunate. It's just who we are. Uh, it's why you ladies love us. That's all. Yes. I'm sure I'll get emails over that. Uh, Renee, what do you have for us, Renee? No, we still got a couple minutes before the next guest comes in. Uh oh, she said, Did you say four kids? Yeah, uh, four, four daughters. Holy crap! The hormonal household. Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to send you an award. I'm gonna get hold with John. I'm gonna get with John. We're gonna send you an award. So you managed to win an award. Uh, Lord bless you, man. I don't even know how you did yeah. that. I, I wanted one, my wife wanted three, so we compromised four. Because uh, I've got I've got three stepdaughters and a stepson and my own son, 
And and I, I don't even oh God, I feel for you, man. No, I'm not Chris I, Christine, I'm not saying girls are worse than boys, because unfortunately in today's that may have been true. And it might even be girls more more expensive 20, 30 years, but today that's not true anymore. Really? So if my, my stepdaughter says, I want this, this, and this probably cost me a grand. First thing comes out, my son's, oh, I need a new phone and I need a Sony or I need a PlayStation. Oh, I really need both, dad. That's, that's, that's three grand right there. I'm, who's more expensive? <laughs> I'm like, no, nah, they like, the, oh, 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 you know what? I need a new pad, dad. Yeah. You know, that's $1,200. Oh no, you don't. Yes. Yes, I do. I'm like, what's wrong with your other one? Oh, it's, it's just two years old. I said, does it work? Well, yeah, it works great. I'm like, well, why do you need a new one? Oh, you know, my friends, they, they laughing. Cause I got, I'm like, get the hell out of here with that shit. Uh, I feel fine. I really do. I mean, it's a great thing. Don't get me wrong, but kids are really great. And it's just, there's really things they give you that you can't get anywhere else. But uh, four daughters, man. Whew. See, it's not bad when they're young, they're all cute and they're always going to love daddy the best. So that's always a plus, but man, when they hit 15, 16, 17, when my stepdaughters went through that, I was like, I, guys would come in. I'm a pretty big guy. I'm like, excuse me, where are you, where are you bringing my daughter tonight? I said, let me explain how this is going to work. I said, this is what time she's got to be home. I said, if she's not home by this time, I will come personally looking for you. I have pet alligators in the bayou behind me, and I will feed you to my alligators. No, Mr. Joe. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't have to call him Mr. Joe. Just have her home one time. And, my, uh, my oldest is only 11, but I'm thinking about taking up a hobby, cleaning shotguns. Just, 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 just have them around, yeah. <laughs> well, guys, uh, who, John, bullshit. Excuse my language. Any guy from the age of thirteen to I don't know what we're not even going to give a, a top age is only thinking about two things, and one of them I can't even say on the radio. <laughs> oh man, no, I can't. I'm not judging guys, but me, I was real quiet and sweet and innocent when I was young. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, quiet and sweet. Yes, I will. Whatever, people. Whatever. That's all I got to tell y'all. If y'all don't stop picking on me, I'm gonna sick Emily on y'all. I know she's around back there somewhere hiding that. Uh, Emily Goodwin. Yes. Yes. She sure is. Yes. No, she's a sweetie pie. I, I like to give her trouble, but she's I, she's like one of my favorite people. Uh, she really is. Um, what you got, Renan? Ren, 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 Renan. I thought it was Ronaldo, but I know that's not right because it looks entirely different. Well, you can break it up all day long. It's still ain't going to help me say it. Renanda Lunda? No. See, and that's not even a real name. What the hell? Anyway, where are you from? Cuba, get the bleep out of here. You 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 writing from us from her. Oh, it's not. I know y'all have internet down there in Cuba, barely, but in Havana. Uh y'all stealing <laughs> you stealing the keys internet, that's what y'all's doing. But anyway, what what <laughs> I'm sorry. Um well, I, I'm sure he appreciates that his daughter's going to be pretty because he's good looking. But anyway, let's move on to the question. Thank you. Uh, okay. So anyway, he's 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 trying to figure out. Oh, I, no, I understand it. So first he goes, God bless you with the daughters. I don't know how you get any time to write anything at all. He said, he said, because he noticed authors or different authors over the years, sometimes include their kids in books he said are you planning on doing that in the future uh, uh, absolutely not all, all of my characters have horrible lives they they die they get maimed <laughs> or, or if they yeah no <laughs> no i don't think so we're gonna leave them out of that um well no chris authors do so do illustrators for that matter the illustrators illustrate their kids a lot 
Um, they put their wives in, their daughters in, their sons in. I mean, why not? You got them in. If they're good looking, I don't see the problem. But writing horrible things about that, I don't even know how you could do that, actually. You'd kind of get, you know, it just, it's not going to work. I mean, to be yeah. completely honest, I think there's a little fragment of almost everyone I know in almost every character I write. Right. You know, everyone has something that is going to just spark in the story. So it's worth stealing and putting it in and making yourself look good. What, what's that? No, no, Mike, we, we can't talk about any of that until, until um, I will probably catch it with James later, like, you know, three or four days into the conference after he's had a chance to, you know, absorb it all and get in his head and, and see about the other stuff that goes on there. Well, I don't know if he knows about those things. I can't ask him. No. You know, Emily will smack me when she sees me. No, uh-uh. You're not getting me in trouble. Look, honestly, I don't know what hotel it's at. I know what day it's going to happen because, you know, I got to be there. But other than that, I don't know anything. No, uh-uh. I'm ignorant. Ignorant, yes. I don't need to know. I don't need to know till I get there. Yes. And then just like the winners, I'm there with them, and I get to hang out with them and talk to them and catch them when they first come in. Um a lot of years I get to ride in with them on the bus coming from the airport. So I get to talk to some of them like that. It's, it's fun. And, and I, the energy there, even though sometimes it's kind of a nervous pitch is great. You know, it's a, just a great energy overall. I noticed and after <clears throat> all the guests, what, whoever they are, I uh, usually after they're about two days, they get this higher pitch energy that comes in and just kind of overlays any nervousness or anything else and just allows them to really enjoy and learn what's going on. Cause there's a lot to learn and they're going to, they're going to keep you busy the whole time you're there, which is a good thing. There's, there's a lot to learn. Uh, Reese, the only way you can do that is to win. Yes. No, I asked John, let me make a, a, a movie out of it. He said, no, <laughs> cause you don't want it. It's, it's a thing. It's, 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 it's like any awards or anybody winning. It's, it's something that they keep a lot of it secret. It's not because it's bad. That's why I went to find out that it isn't bad. It's uh, none of it. It's not like that. It's just you know y'all don't need to know until they get there. It's and, not. It, it's not to keep it away from you. It's to, it's so that when the winners get there, they get to experience it correctly. And Joe, you said you had a, an unfair advantage because you'd spoken to the previous winners and, and the judges. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just want to let people know that most of those winners will talk to anyone that's that's looking for genuine advice. You can find them uh, on social media and the yep. right the future forums. And I, I've. A lot of them really helped me bring up my game and enabled this win for sure. Yeah. And they do. They, they, I know they got little different groups and stuff. They hang out in and talking and chatting. Uh, I noticed the authors are really good about uh, shoring each other up and giving each other ideas and stuff like that. It's personally to me to see it go like that was a really nice thing for me because I figured, you know, there's a lot of competitive stuff in the, in, in our country, not just in our country, but around the world. And uh, sometimes it gets overly competitive and people might get upset. Oh, that was my idea or this, that, or the other. I don't see any of that there. None yeah, of that. I, I don't think it's really relevant. It's, it's something that new writers are afraid of a lot, that their idea will get stolen. Uh, but ideas are you know, a penny a dozen. They're really, really easy to come up with. It's the execution and, and the resilience to sit down and write the 7,000, 20,000, 100,000 words. Um, so uh, if a new writer came to me and said they couldn't find ideas, I would happily give them a couple. I, I've got more than I will ever have time to write. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 um, it's, it's, it is, it is about execution. That's about anything. Uh, somebody asked me what was the hardest thing about doing radio or TV one time. I said, it's execution. I said, I said, I can sit there and jibber jabber about any damn thing. I said, that's the easy part. I said, making sure all everything, all the effects, all the electronics, all the audio, all the videos working correctly. That's the fun part. 
That's the part where you got to be paying attention. Uh, but no, we use StreamYard now, which is um, much nicer. It's way easier. Uh, Chris, no, we're on Roku tonight. Yeah, Roku, you can go see us. Yeah. Oh, Why, wow, you want to see how cute he is? You can zoom in and hear, you know, anyway, if you want to use, look, Roku's fine. I like y'all using Roku. It's real television. That's what it's there for. It's for people who want to watch us on their 70-inch televisions and go, oh, my God, he's he's got a, a grown hair in his head or something. No, really, I, you can't see him right now because there's too much stuff in the way, but the, all the Greek classics are back there. You know, all the Greek stories, all the all the philosophers, all of them, Aristotle, a whole bunch of them are back there. Well, you can't really see him. So when there's not stuff there and you're watching on high def, you can read every damn author that's back there. Well, see, in Bob right here, Bob has a little tiny BB in there, tiny little thing, right in his left eye. And you'd be surprised how many people see that damn thing in there. I'm like, what are y'all doing? I said, y'all that bored that you got to zoom in on everything? It's, it's insanity. And they do. They zoom in. And they'll tell you. Because sometimes I'll just change shit around just to see if people are paying attention. They know what titles are up there. The whole nine years. I tell people all the time. When you got your books out. When, you, and when, you, when you're you know, doing author stuff in the future. And you're writing a, a novel or something similar. Because you'll see different titles. Different titles up there. Where you see uh, David, David Hayden. He, yeah, he's up there. Now, this book here is from a friend of mine, Gary Haslin. It's non-humans. It's been sitting up there for about eight months now, and it's. He said it's probably sold uh, at least a few hundred books for him. Wow! Um, because it, it's just sitting there, and you know we don't even talk about it a lot of times. It's just there, and then you know, of course, right now these are all signed versions of Writers of the Future, personal autograph versions. Uh, that's the fear over there. This is uh, a howling good story by Wolf Moon. Uh, and stuff like that. So there's just stuff laying in. You can't, there's other stuff that I just rotate out and things. Or my daughter comes in and steals them and wants to go read them. I'll be like, I was the other day, I was looking for a new book that an author sent me. I'm like, where's that damn book at? I'm looking all over the house. I'm like, what the hell did I do with this book? I'm like, so I'm all angry. I said, has anybody seen my book? She said, oh yeah, I came got it off your desk so I could read it. I'm like, I said, you could have told me, you know, it's, 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 it's but they do, they get moved around in the house. One of the, one of the, um, no, Jimmy, all my stepkids are grown. Yeah, they're grown. They, they all probably older than James, man. Yeah, they, they, uh, they, they grown. And my youngest stepchild is, uh, 40. Yeah. Well, my wife's older than I am by a few years, like 14. Yeah. No, it's just, it's just one of those things. Yeah. No, no, everybody's grown now. I mean, I got grandkids and great grandkids and shit like that, which I don't like using the great grandkid word, but still. One day, James is going to have like 30 great, great, great grandkids because everybody lives longer now. They'll be like, great, great grandpa, what you doing? He's like, oh, shit, I'm running for the door. I have his little cane, his little walker trying to get away. I can't wait for the uh, the grandparent stage where you're going to have fun with the kids, spoil them, and then give them back at the end of the give day. Give them back. That's right. Yeah. Give them back. Uh, I don't know, Denise. Um, it's weird. And, and my family, and this doesn't speak for every family, like my sister didn't want to have kids. Uh, and myself and my brother and my other sister all had kids. And then my other brother, he really didn't want kids either. And then a couple of the grandkids, uh, which are older now, some of them have had kids and some of them just don't want kids. No, they're not anti-kid. They just they don't want to raise kids. One. As long as the family line's moving along, I guess it doesn't really matter, but it's a little weird sometimes, but, you know. No, my oldest grandkid, he's like, 
He calls me Big Joe. Don't call me Grandpa. He goes, Big Joe, I really don't want them little shits running around in my house, destroying my furniture, destroying. He said, you know, I got a lot of money invested inside my house. I'm like, whatever. Uh, sooner or later, he'll fall in love with one and have to have one. But you know, that's just how it is. Well, oh wait, we lost John. I just seen him pop in. I wonder what happened. He must have got scared when he seen us in here live or something. <laughs> no, Christopher. Um, actually, I will tell you in just a second. Give me one second, and I will tell you. I didn't have the email open, so um, well, I had to keep Carmen's email open because that's where I, that's where I know where everything is. Carmen is a nice gentleman. He's like nine foot tall. Uh, he's um, he does he does a lot of guest acquisitions for my not just me. He does a lot for John and everybody else. Uh, he does a lot of this stuff for us, and uh, he booked everybody that that's here. It's gonna yeah, that's gonna be here tonight. No, he's a good guy. No, y'all see him eventually. He'll be well. We got a music show coming on news on the flip side real soon, so he's going to be on there, and um, so you'll get to see him then. Eventually, he's going to come do an author's quill with us, and y'all will get to meet him that way. He is single. He's good looking, but he big old. He's like you know Uncle Hulk or something. Well, I'm five eleven, and he's he's a good foot taller than I am. Oh yeah. He's, he's, yeah, yeah. I was like, first time I met him, I was looking down, I was looking at his feet. I'm like, where the hell, where are you, Carmen? I said, oh, is that you? Oh, you're up in the clouds. I can't even see your freaking head, man. He's, like, he, he's a nice guy, too. He's well spirited, uh, really nice guy. Sometimes him overly tall guys can be a little lightheaded, you know, <laughs> floating around in clouds too much, I guess. <laughs> Y'all gonna get me in trouble. Stop it, people. Stop it. No. Uh, anyway, James, you were great. I can't wait till we can we can really we can really talk about the awards and what you're going through when you get there. And uh, yeah, so now you'll you'll be all relaxed next time you and I talk. So it's um, well, no, we didn't get to talk about several things. Like there's one day when they got a lot going on. We're going to talk about that particular day. Yes, Chris, that's the day. Well, I don't know what he knows and what he don't know. Y'all can y'all gonna get me in trouble? Stop it. I've studied it a bit. If it's public knowledge, I probably know it. Yes, and uh, well, there's there's a lot of courses, a lot of classes go on. Uh, what there's like the barbecue where everybody gets to meet everybody, and uh, the uh, the judges are all out there just hanging out at different tables, talking. Well, I you know one of the things I, I got to say I like like Kevin J Anderson, he would invite people to lunch with him. Huh. You know, so if you really wanted to talk to him, he's like, and and oh, and I'll tell you this now: if for some reason you feel uncomfortable wanting to talk just come get me i'll introduce you to whoever you want to talk to oh, thank you i appreciate that yeah because I, I know all the judges that when a matter of fact this was so funny last year there was four to four the guys so it was uh it was kevin J, dean and somebody else was sitting there oh and tom who's in, in illustration but they were three of them were sitting there and these four guys were standing hang on john i'm gonna get you in, in just a second um so these 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 four guys are staring and staring I'm like what's up um Nothing, Justin. No, just be honest with me. I said, you want to go talk to him, don't you? He said, well, it looked like a private conversation. I said, it was, but it's not anymore. I said, come on, come on. Well, no, no. I said, just come on. I said, so I go over. I said, and I, because I knew who they were because I talked to them earlier in the week. I said, and I introduced them to everybody. I said, I said, Dean, you mind if they buy? Oh, no, that's in No, come on, sit down. And I was gone. I went upstairs, did an interview, came back. They were still down there talking two hours later. Um, Excellent. And, and all the judges will tell you this. That's what they're there for. Uh, they literally, they literally come, which is amazing to me because I've gone, I've, I've attended a lot of events, a lot of contests. And I got to say, most of the time I find judges to be short tempered, aggravated, 
because there's so much going on, so many people pestering him. Um, Colin Powell, who are you talking about? You're talking about Tim Powell, Colin Powell. Where the hell you come up with that from? No, I only knew what you were talking about because you said the cocaine. Yeah, because Tim's always got a cocaine in his hand. That's the only reason I knew who you were talking about, Colin Powell. Not, you know who Colin Powell really is, right? You make a look you off because he's not a judge and writers in the future. He was almost president one time, but he wasn't a judge. Oh, Lord. But anyway, they're, they're all there for that. They'll, they'll be happy to talk to you. They want to see y'all make it good because they're like me. Y'all are the sci-fi of the future. Y'all are the, the new movies of the future. And I say this all the time. One of the reasons I like to come is I get to brag. You know, one of y'all might make it big. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to see him at the awards ceremony. <laughs> or her. I don't, I don't want to leave it to discriminate here. But uh, it is a lot of fun um, to, to see all y'all. And, and there's so many good stories. I've, I've read 14 of the books completely now. And uh, and I got three others I'm, I'm, I've got that I'm going to read. And I'm reading from, you know, here backwards. Now I'll get 40. John will send me 40 probably a couple of weeks before the contest. And I'll read it. And then I'll read it again on the flight into L.A. I got about, it's about three and a half hour flight. Yeah, people, you can actually, if, you, if you're a decent reader, you can actually read that book in about three hours. Uh, there's a lot of good stories in it. I've already read nearly all of 40. Oh. And uh, I, having read the other volumes as well, it's a good one. I, I really enjoyed it. Yes. I mean, it's, there's so much good stuff in there. Well, I like it. For, there's a reason I actually like it because I grew up on a different kind of TV than y'all did. I grew up on TV that there was no cursing in. There was no, look, you didn't even see skin from here down, man. I mean, let's just be honest about it. It was just ridiculous. And um, the shows were always funny. They were always entertaining. The sci-fi was really good. But yet somehow there wasn't a bunch of blood gore and blowing the, everything to shitting back. It was not screaming and hollering. It wasn't a bunch of cursing. And somehow they were still very entertaining. Well, that's how these books are. These books, I would rate these books as PG-13 or lower. And when you read them, uh, there's none of that in there. There's no heavy sex, no heavy violence. And all the stories are good. And I, don't don't get me wrong. I do have favorite stories. Um, you know, after, since, And don't ever tell me. If I tell you a favorite story, it means you're probably not going to win. Because I never get it right. I'm just telling y'all. I have not picked the illustrators or out of what this four or five. This will be the fifth year I, I would get to pick. Not one time have I gotten them right. So. I'm like, yeah, that's, that, that picture's going to definitely win. Oh, this story's definitely going to win. There was a particular alien story I liked, a uh, monster story. It wasn't even an alien story. And uh, where the girl was taking care of a monster in a family full of monster hunters. And I really liked it. Well, this is going to win, though. I remember that. That one was great. I loved it, too. <laughs> it, was, it was a good story. I was like, I was like, no, apparently it ain't going to win. I was like, um, like David's story. David's, that's, that's a good story, Death in a Tax Man. No, Jack, it wasn't a winner. I know, ain't that some shit? <laughs> it was a good story too, but it's still. So, like I said, don't don't ever count me. If I say you win, you might want to go. Oh shit, I done lost. <laughs> That's why I'm not gonna say anything. But we gotta let James go because we have John Eric in the, in the queue waiting on us. Uh, James, you've been great. I can't wait to talk to you after we get there. Been there a couple of days, and um, yeah. thank you so much for having me. It was really and, a pleasure. Uh, to oh no, it, 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 it was it was fun, fun, fun. And uh, like I said, we'll get to talk about some more fun stuff. After you've kind of pulled half your hair out your head, and after three days, it said, I mean, hey, you still hanging in there? You're like, yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> and then, anyway, but thanks again, James. I appreciate it. Give Emily a hug for me and tell her I was very nice. <laughs> no, I'm just Good. kidding. Tell her. She already said something nice. Thank you, James, man. Appreciate it. Bye. Uh, so, John, how are you doing, man? Doing quite well. How are you, Joe? Pretty good. Pretty good. I see now we get you popped in. We're going to get started here. 
Uh, man, wait, how do you say your last name? Like, looks like, say it again. Slyker. Slyker. Okay, Slyker. Because I got a friend of mine who's got a name close to it, but his must have some O's in it because it's Schusler, so it's kind of weird. Slyker. So we have James Eric Slyker with us, who's another winner. Uh, how many? Right off the bat, we're just going to ask you the question: How many times? One, five, thirty, forty. How many times did it take to win? Yeah. So um, this was uh, my winner was my fourteenth um, submission, and so you know, you know what? Before I let you go on, yeah, I think fourteen is like the magic number. So <clears throat> reason I'm saying this is every year now, every year so far that I've, I've interviewed people, which is five five winning contests because the first year was two. Um, there's at least one or two 14s. Right. It's like the golden number. But well, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, there. no, no. It's okay. I wish I knew that. I wouldn't have uh, put so much effort in my first 13 stories. If I knew the number 14 would have been it. No. Um, and that's the magic number. But yeah, so 14. Uh, I've been entering since 2019. And Rise of the Future has always my, been my number one market. And so yeah. every single quarter, I always make sure I send my best story to, to them. Um, with the the dream of winning, and the fourteenth one was the the winner. The, yes, the story is, is uh, called Squiddy, so yeah. it's a sci fi neo noir um, yeah. tale. It's, well, I can't wait to read it. I haven't got it yet, so I will be getting. Hey, Lisa, nice to see you. You're gonna be in in about twenty, so just chill, baby. It's um, it's it's. I, I do like the fact that I get to see the books early on, you know. So mm-hmm. John will send it to me, and uh, and I'll read it. I'll read it at home once. Now what's nice is now he knows I'm really busy, and like thirty nine was an audio book. Right. Uh, so in, in, in anything that's an audio book makes my life easier. Like I've been listening. And that's to so Mitchell cool Earth. that they're doing that too. The audio books. Yeah. I'm, I'm yes. very excited to, to see. I am too, because um, for people like me who has no free time, because I can multitask out the, out, out the bajingas, but you know, I, I can only do so much. I can, you know, and if I'm working on my computer, I'm not really going to be watching something, but listening is fine. Right. You know, I have a good enough imagination anyway, so I can just listen and enjoy the book and, and go on. And um, what's that, Denise? So, Denise, what did I tell you? When y'all, when y'all send me your name, tell me your location. So where are you from? London, England. Well, nice to see you over there in London. What time is it over there? Like 10 o'clock or something? Yes, yeah, it's, it's I know it's evening time. Y'all about six hours behind us, behind on well, central time. Yeah. Yes, I have a big audience. Here. I got a lot of friends over. So, what, so, um, <laughs> So first off, she wants to know what your favorite genre is, and why don't you Americans write some English stories? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be out of my element uh, trying to write an English story. Um, get the nomenclature wrong, but so I, I'm a speculative fiction writer. Um, a lot of science fiction, um, horror is my jam as well. Some fantasy, just kind of dabble along the whole spectrum of speculative fiction. Just kind of whatever you know floats my boat when I'm. Whatever you're doing, well, I can see that because somebody asked me sometime, you know, can you pick your favorite movie? I'm like, no. <laughs> it really has more to do with what mood. Same thing with TV series. It really right. what mood I'm in is what I'm going to answer you. Exactly. So it's yeah, uh, and, cool. and today's a lot of good stuff to pick from. You know, mm-hmm. uh, what do we got, Crease? Where you at, Crease? Oh, so you want? So you asked that? Well, no, well, no, that's fair. You, we, I'll let you ask that question to James. So, Chris, uh, New York City, right? How you doing up there in New York? Life's treating you good? Cold, nice, freezing. You know, Trump's going to be your new emperor up there, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, no, I'm just teasing. Don't hate on me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, you know you New Yorkers. I love y'all, but I got to pick on y'all from time to time. Uh, so he, what he wants to know is, and this question was asked to the last guest. I probably get asked Lisa as well. Um, if someone said, if someone stuck you and said, okay, you can only write 
one thing, one genre. You can write anything you want about that genre, but you can only write one. You can't move around. You can't look at anything else. You can only write that. What would it be? See, I couldn't answer that question. Yeah. I mean, I, it depends on the mood when I'm getting stuck in that, uh, in that scenario, right? Just let the story kind of dictate what happens. Um, but I, I would say like, I mean, if you're looking at my catalog, what, what I've mostly have written um, is, is kind of horror or kind of darker sci-fi elements um, or, or dark fantasy. So we kind of in, in that realm. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know. It just depends on the story. Let the story kind of tell me where to go. Uh, what we got? So, Michael, what are you writing in for Michael? Eureka, California. You know I don't believe that. Would you think you like the TV show Eureka? <laughs> well, no, that's where it was in California. <laughs> anyway, um, what, what, what? Well, you better scroll it back up because you didn't scroll it away. Uh, yes, you, you didn't send it up there. Well, no, we'll come back. We'll come back. Uh, Rodney from Sydney, Australia is writing in, and Rodney wants to know, what was it that made you decide that you could be an author? What, 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 when first, yeah, it's actually a two part question. Cause the first thing he actually asked was what age did you really realize that you wanted to be an author and that you could write, but what was really the driving for, force behind it? Yeah. Well, I appreciate that question. Um, so I, I came late to the party with, with writing. So I'm 40 years old now. Um, you are I started, me, man. started <laughs> writing seriously, um, at about 31. Um, so I can actually, the biggest here, so Stephen King on writing. Um, I remember reading this book and kind of from that I was inspired. It's like, I'm going to take a crack at this, this writing gig. You know, I've been a voracious reader all my life. Um, and so start, luckily too, when I started writing, um, I had a lot of hubris. I think you need that hubris thinking that what you're writing can actually sell possibly just yeah. to keep, keep at it. Um, and I went from there. So I've been seriously writing about as old as my, my son. I have one son, he's nine years old. So for the past nine years, I've been really focused on this craft and this, the rise of the future, um, victory is my first sell. Um, and I've had two other stories since that have, have, have sold since then. And then I'm now currently writing a novel of the, the, the short story that, that one rise of the future squiddy. What, see, well, I, haven't, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, so I'll be glad when I get a chance to read it. So when I, well, I'll talk to you about it when I read it, because we'll be actually talk to it a little bit more in yeah. depth. And uh, but you know, that's interesting because you know I, I've talked to a lot of these winners. I've even talked to winners before I started hanging out with these guys um, that have told me that they took their story and turned it into a, a, a novel. And you know, you're going to get another chance when you're there to write another story, mm-hmm. and some of those stories actually make it to the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The twenty-four hour story. Um, yeah, yeah. Of, <laughs> I'm ready that. for it. I'm nervous for it. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked for the Rise of the Future Week. Yeah, I, 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 could, I couldn't talk about the twenty-four hour story with James because he was with Emily, and Emily might hurt me. But <laughs> she, she's like, <clears throat> they keep a lot of that stuff really, really guarded secrets over there, and, mm-hmm. and uh, which I'm really privileged that they let me involved a lot. No, that's it, How did you get connected with the the contest? Oh, this is kind of weird. Uh, a friend of ours, Jim Mars, um, who does a lot used to do a lot of research before he passed was friends with carmen and john was looking for a place to put his show writers of the future so jim had told carmen hey why don't you tell him to talk to joe so he calls me up well i had to stop because you know writers of the future has association with l ron herbert so i actually had to stop i had a whole team do a big huge investigation into him and i said well look 
don't take this the wrong way, but I need to meet you personally. I need to come out and see the contest for myself. Because I had done contests in New York and other places that were, frankly, how can I say this nicely, almost frauds, and we'll leave it at that. Mm -hmm. So I, I wanted to see. I wanted to see. I wanted to meet the members. I wanted to meet the winners. I wanted to meet the judges. I wanted to see what everybody's affiliations were. So I got invited out the year they came back from COVID. So it was a double win year. So instead of having 12 and 12, they had 24 and 24. And I was only there for five days that time. I was like a whirlwind. And I talked to, I think, 30 winners, uh, seven or eight judges, John and Emily and Joni and a lot of the other staff that's over there. And I found out that they were exactly, exactly who and what they said they were. Mm -hmm. the, the contest is blind judged. Uh, so, you know, I, cause when, when John told me blind judge, and I, I'm not even going to tell you what I told him because it was very rude and, uh, which I've apologized to him since, but it was very rude. And uh, I was like, what the bleep, bleep and bleep and ever. And uh, because I've heard that before. And when I find out there's always some kind of little slide of hand over here, a little slide of hand. Cause you know, when you spend time with a group for a long time, sometimes you find out other stuff that you would not find out your first time in. Mm -hmm. And uh, with them, I've, this is five years they're they're exactly who and said they were none of their personal whatever they're involved in ever bleeds through into writers of the futures in any shape forms or fashion so uh, i had to take them for what they were and when i got over there and met everybody uh and i met all the winners and judges and everybody else i was like well this is this is excellent so after that i said why don't you come on a network which his show has been on my network for four years now he does uh writers of the future which starting in a couple of weeks will actually be in front of this one He's on Mondays at four o'clock right now, but he'll be right in front of this. We're talking about John Goodwin, the president of Galaxy Press, guys and girls. And uh, he runs the Writers of the Future thing. No, his wife does the gay, like um, Emily Goodwin, yes. Emily is is like the proverbial effing whirlwind. Her and Joni are two, like two tornadoes just yes. all over the place, man. No, sometimes I'll just go I'm sit and have breakfast. Like like Joni, like just oh, if Joni you send her an email, you get something back right away. It doesn't matter what. Jo Joni um, is 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 when you meet her in person. She is. I'm not kidding you. She is a freaking whirlwind. Yeah. How she does what she does and put up with everybody the way she does is beyond me. Because I told her one day we were having cocktails. I said, "You're so much nicer than I am." And she's like, "I said I'd already be telling people you better go find something to do with yourself till later." And uh, but she is. She's always nice. She's always polite. She's and she's always working hard. Mm -hmm. and uh and she looks good in a cocktail gown and, and so i'm just telling y'all uh no she's uh but chris no she's really nice she's um she is number three over there so it's it's john emily and and Joni, and uh and then you have arthur services which so really and truly you have galaxy press which does the fiction and arthur services which does the non-fiction of l ron hubbard mm -hmm. and uh what do you mean do they push they don't push anything on anybody no they don't that that honestly was the biggest part of this that amazed me the most. That they didn't they didn't push any of any of their views on anybody. The contest is exactly what it is. You win, you go. The judges, which are great judges from all around the world, teach you everything they can, and then you go in the world and they want to see you succeed. They invite you. I've seen them at, at, when I've been like at, at Dragon Con with them or up in Utah with them and places like that. They let people come hang out with them. Winners, past winners can come hang out and do book signings and stuff like that. They want to see them succeed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, success for them is success for them. I mean, it works out great for everybody that's involved. Mm -hmm. It's one of the few contests I'll endorse. Yes. You know, I, Christopher, you know how I am. I'm, I'm very picky, wiki about what I'll endorse and what I won't. And I'll tell you if, if there are any writers in, in the crowd, I mean, and, and who write short stories, there's not a better market 
to send your stories as far as if, if you do, if they do, uh, if you do win, I mean, you get flown out to LA, you get paid pro rates, you get the network with professional authors that will, um, and you have this week long workshop. That's quite, quite amazing. I mean, it's just, it's unprecedented compared to any other markets that you're sending your short stories for. It's a great, fantastic way to break in and it's free to enter. So you go enter every single quarter throughout the year. Well, and it's great too because you know they've done. You know, well, you know, if you win, you know, you'll see like Kevin J. Anderson and Wesley Dean Smith, and they'll hey, you want to go to lunch with us? Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't even care who it is. There'll be like ten people standing in the breezeway or in, in the lobby. Hey, y'all want to come to lunch with me? Hell, last time he he shared his birthday with everybody. Um, everybody's having lunch. They're talking shop, you know, and enjoying themselves, and he enjoys it. He really does. Um, you know, everybody gives you advice there in different ways, but they're all really good. And, and if you really have any questions when it comes to finance, Wesley's the guy to talk to. I mean, he started his own, he, everything these days, it, it's all one big ball for him mm-hmm. from, from, from production. I mean, from writing all the way through production, him and his wife. So, uh, he'll explain, we you know, because we sat him and I sat there one night and we're telling everybody, we started out with, a. um, S Corp and worked up from there. So people, because sometimes people overthink things, you know, you don't, you don't need all that extra stuff when you're first starting out. Uh, it, it just costs you money is what it does. You know, it's, there's certain ways to register your books without, or registering your business without having to get crazy. Well, no, Chris, you, you, there's ways to start out. No, my business was registered as a, one of my business was registered S Corp for a long time. And now it's registered uh, as a, what they da- call down here is a CC. Um, and then the station's registered a whole different way because it's a radio station. It's a radio slash TV station. So, yes, and unfortunately, it had to be registered differently. Big pain in the ass is what that was. Uh, what you got for us, Stephanie? What do you mean? He, you know, he, why do you want to know where he lives? What, what neck of the woods? Her, the question actually was, what neck of the woods is John from? Uh, why does that matter? Are you like a racist thing? Like a, not a racist thing. Uh, you hate different people from different states or something? No, no, really. I, I'm just curious why you asked the question. I think it's pertinent. So I, I live in Missoula, Missoula, Montana. Montana. Man, I was in Montana not that long ago. Uh, the only, only Where was it? Was it? Well, we left Utah. Anyway, it felt like we drove through Montana. It felt like it took three days. It was almost as bad as well, Texas. Huge. Huge. Jesus, man. And all I remember seeing is antelopes the whole time. I'm like, come on, mm-hmm. where am I? It was no, it was, it was pretty up there, but I mean, it was just long drive. It was, mm-hmm. <laughs> I needed a good book to read. Actually, <laughs> I should add one with me. No, I was up at a fan fest. I was coming back from fan fest, and we we went, we left fan fest, and instead of going back the way we came, we decided we wanted to go to Denver, so we went through uh, Montana. Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Avey. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com. And they go through Colorado. Yeah, we just drove up through Montana and then, then dropped straight down through Denver. To Denver is what I should say. Yeah, you know, I've been all over. I've been to 44 states. I've been to Alaska or Hawaii, though, so don't ask. I've been in Puerto Rico, which is a commonwealth, but still. Where are you now, uh, uh, oh, I'm I'm actually from New Orleans. New Orleans? Uh, yeah, so right now it's Mardi Gras down here, so wow. it's like effing insane is what it right. is right now. And a friend of mine today says, you're doing radio when it's Mardi Gras? I said, yes. So do you do you hunker down during Mardi Gras? Or do you sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. So it depends. You know, different years I want to go in different years. I don't now. This particular year, I got a bunch of friends in from like five different states. I'm going to probably end up going. But sometimes we just take off and go to like Panama City, Florida, places like that, and just hide out for the week. Right. Uh, just disappear. And I'll have people, I'm coming down. I said, well, that's good. I said, I'm not in Louisiana. Where I said, no. And my house nowadays, but studios right now is in the Gulf Coast. Um, we have a place, literally, I live on uh, Mahali Bayou, which is about 400 yards from the Gulf of Mexico. And... Uh, it's a great place to live. It's beautiful. It's quiet. It's in between two cities. So it's kind of, kind of rural, but kind of not. So I, no, I enjoy it. And it's a good place to, if, if, if you got time where you can sit and write, it's a good place because you could sit on the porch or sit out on the, on the dock or something and just chill and watch the birds or the, all that. We have a lot of wildlife here. Mm-hmm. And we have, um, one one eagle that comes through every so often. We got a breeding pair of ospreys that live here six out of the year. Five woodpeckers have been living here since I lived here. Uh, we got hummingbirds. We've got otters. Uh, we got all kind of damn fish and crab as you can think of. Um, it's and then you know we got other. Well, I got to watch though because I got two chihuahuas and we got two breeding pair of hawks that like to fly around. So I got to keep an eye on them. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's 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 different. It's you know I'm from the city, so you know. Living here and going to New Orleans. And now when I live here, I'm like, God, I got to go to that nasty, dirty, stinking city. Uh, no, Jimmy, New Orleans is a dirty city. It's a fun city, but it's a dirty city. You know, I own a construction company, and, and sometimes we'll be up there working, and we'll have to dig into the dirt up there. I'm not kidding you. You dig a foot and a half down, first you're going to hit water, and it's going to be so black, you're thinking, wow, it's just like the black blood of the earth or some shit bubbling up here. I mean, it's disgusting. It is. It is literally disgusting. You don't even want to. Touch. God knows, it's probably got black plague in it or something. Yeah, a lot yeah, of history you, there. Yeah. So you, you you're thinking the whole time, do I really want to mess around in this stuff? Uh, Korea, Karina. I'm sorry. Uh, what you got, Karina? Not in writers of the future. No sex. No sex, drugs, and alcohol in writers of the future. Yeah, pretty. It's PG thirteen. Um, the kind of the, the the test is will a middle grade school um library librarian yeah. take the book? Now, now my story does have um like it's there's sex in the background. Um, kind of off color. There's there's uh working, um you know kind of the sex industries in, involved in the story, but it's it's not like in the forefront of the story. No details, etc. So yeah. you, you can kind of touch on some more mature subjects. Um, but you can't really go into detail um, mm-hmm. about it. Uh, Christopher, no, actually, Lisa, we're running a little late, so we're going to bring Lisa on about seven or eight minutes. But uh, what 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 was that? Oh, you mean Montana? Yes, it snows in Montana. Like yeah. things like this, it snows in Montana. Jesus. Um, 
No, they actually have snow shields along their interstate. It snows so much. Yeah, it yes. Is. You know this this winter's been pretty mild, but there's still there's snow right now on the ground. He said, he said, "I don't know where you got the idea. It didn't snow. I'm, like, I'm just saying, dude. I'm just you need to go need to go read some more books or something. Because really, I don't know where you got. Now, if you said New Orleans, I could say yeah, but no, no, not there. Uh, Ricky, what you got? No, we got a few minutes. What you got? Uh, he says, uh, "Nice to meet you, John. Nice to have you on tonight. I can't wait to hear you talk about. Oh, okay, no, I understand it. So, a lot of these people can't wait to hear y'all when we when we talk again, like about the 24 hour story." Okay. The yeah. 24 hour story is great. Look at Lisa smiling. She knows it's coming. It's uh so it's uh this is a story, ladies and gentlemen. So they they give them Tim Powers, and it's usually Tim and Jody and I usually do this class. Um they do this class and they give them they, they give them a couple of items and they give them 24 hours <laughs> to write a story. So usually Tim Tim always gets me to go out and, and watch like watch the lobbies and tables and dinner. So I'll be I'll be just so y'all know, y'all will be getting videotaped and, and camerized. You won't see me, but <laughs> you will be. And um it's funny because some people stress out so hard. You you're like you're like, oh my god, I'm just waiting for somebody's head to go. <laughs> it just and then some people are like, Yeah, no problem. Man. I got it, man. I got it. Like Chris, the guy I call Mr. Blue Eyes from Australia, he just okay, I'm done. Yeah, uh, I'll be in the exploding head cohort uh, amongst those. So I'm a I'm a very slow writer. So which is is great exercise to push myself to show you know which the idea of the exercise is to show us writers that you know you, you can just write a story and that's yeah. that's your job is you don't need to wait for the inspiration for the muse etc. Just just write the dang story and let it happen and, then and that's write it later. But, that's what, and that's what uh, Wesley Dean Smith will tell you. Write the damn thing, and then worry about it. Because I was asking him about something. He knows I'm working on this book, and I was, uh, I was bugging him. He goes, "Joe, write the damn story, and then we can worry about that." I said, "Okay, that made mm-hmm. sense to me." Um, it, it just, it just did. No, we're talking about the 24 hour story, guys. So th- when they do this, so a lot of these get sold. By the way, mm-hmm. I've seen several of these get sold now that I, I've been around, and I heard that other ones got sold before I was around. So that's something. And damn. You wrote 24 hours and the damn thing gets sold now. I noticed like I was talking to one guy. He said, yeah, I wrote it at eight. He said at midnight, I tore it up. He said, and then I took a nap and I woke up at two and I wrote it at two. I'm like, all right. He said at three 30, I tore it up. He said, he said, I'm thinking, man, I got to be there at eight o'clock. He said, four o'clock comes. He said, I ain't even put nothing on paper. He's like, he's, so he tells me, he said, that was it. He said, whatever comes out now, it's what it's going to be. And, uh, and then he said he wrote till 5.30 and then he tore it up. Mm. And then he, then he finally got a story out. And I read the story. It was a decent story, but still, he was stressing so bad. I mean, you know, it's 5.30. They, they, they got to be there at 8. And, you know, you might want to get something to eat before you go to the class and stuff. Um, it was it was, it was was hilariously funny. And then I, I've talked to other people. They're like, yeah, Joe, I don't know about this 24-hour story. Because they'll be sitting there like in a lobby with a notebook on their lap or, or a pad on their lap or something like that. Just like nothing's getting written. (laughs) I'm like, you okay. I said, I can give you some ideas. I said, I'm crazy old bastard. No, you want to hear some crazy stuff. And they're like, no, 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 no. And it's, it's, it can be stressful, but it is a lot of fun too at the same time. And I did notice this in all the years I've been there is um, the authors, I, I, the illustrators, not as much, but the authors, We'll get together and try to help each other out. Mm-hmm. They will really try to get their house out. No, Dean, we get we uh, John's out of here in just about uh, less than four minutes. Wait, 
no, you're not Dean Lee West. I know, I, I know Dean's writing and you're not him. First off, his grammar would be much better than yours is. <laughs> I'm just saying. He's, he's not going to have those kind of grammar mistakes in his, his text. I, I'm just saying he's not. I've seen him write several things now. There's no, no. Because you don't like to go back and fix shit. So there's no mistakes from the get-go. Um, Carolyn, Carolyn Morrison. Well, Carolyn, where were you? Oh, you're the other Carolyn. Hey, how you doing? South Carolina. What's up? What's going on in South Carolina? You enjoying life over there? Cold, hot, kind of in between? Snowing one day, raining the next. Yeah, that, that sounds about Carolina to me. So what are you up to? Oh, oh no, no, no. I'll ask him. So she just wants to know, have you really, has has this become a living yet? Or are you still working at making this a living? Yes. Yeah, so, well, it, it is a living, but not a very uh, well-paying living. <laughs> so I've, uh, I've organized my my, my wife and so I have a family of three, my wife, my son's nine years old and, and myself. And, uh, my, my wife works at a, a food bank. So nonprofit. So not, not tons of money. Um, I used to work in special education uh, as a paraeducator. Um, and then last year, my wife's like, you gotta do this full time, dude. This is, this is your passion. No. And like with, with special education, I love the, the job, but you can't leave the job at, at the school. You come home, yeah. you're just exhausted. It's, it's always part of your job, job yeah. Job, right. Well, that stuff stays in your head. Things that you see, things that you hear, stuff that's going on right. with the kids, it stays in your head, I know. It does. And so I just wasn't writing. And so she told me, she's like, you you need to, to take a rest. Um, and so, you know, let's let's have a sabbatical for, for a year. And so, like, I mean, I substitute teach from time to time. Um, and that's that's about it. But we, so I live in a tiny home. Um, we, we bought this small, tiny home, it's like 588 yeah. square feet. Uh, we're basically single income um, family. And I'm, I'm trying to make this a, a thing. Hey. And so that's that's kind of the 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 aim. That the fact hey, you got to do these days what you got to do, and, and you know it, everything's so expensive right now. It wouldn't matter what size home you lived in. Uh, I remember when I got rid of the, our condo in New Orleans, I was like, this thing got to go because we were just just spending money is all we were doing. Yep. And this year, you know, doing contracting, a lot of my customers are all flipped out because everybody's insurance went up through the roof. Mine went from forty five hundred dollars to eleven thousand a year. Uh, and I'm and just just on my house. People with big properties, some of our customers seen twenty five to one hundred twenty five thousand dollar increases. Uh, well, when you see that, you don't want to do anything else. You're just like, no, well, we're not doing any work. We can't afford it this year. Mm-hmm. And of course, being a contractor, that, that ain't good for me. So I'm kind of like, so the radio station helps make it up. But I remember when I when I told my wife when I get radio, she looked at me like I was stupid. <laughs> she just she like. You've never done radio your whole life. I said, well, this guy offered me a job as a radio show host with on Wake Up USA out of uh, Riverside, 1690 Riverside, Iowa, AM station. And I'm like, she said, is this going to be your full-time job? I said, no, I'm going to keep my other job and do this in the evenings. And uh, the more I got into it, the more I got into it. And I said, well, I'm spending a lot of money on this now because when we got the station, I spent a lot of money after Katrina. About a quarter million dollars the first year on it. And, uh, she said, all right, well, if you're going to do it, do it right. Don't do it half-assed. And I was like, okay. But I still do contracting because my son, my son helps me out these days. He runs a lot of the business, but still, I still have to get out there and get into it. But we're going to let you get out of here because Lisa's been sitting down there very patiently going, God, these guys can sh- don't shut up, man. She's like, but anyway, I look forward to seeing you. So um, when you get there, we'll leave this up to you. But um, usually when we interview authors at the location, they run anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half because we get into a lot more personal stuff and we talk about a lot of other things. Like we get into talking about AI and uh, what do we think that's going to do in the future? And then 
we'll talk about, you know, how it is just, just to be like you were talking about how you're living and how it is uh, to come up as a, uh, cause you know, I've been a starving artist. So I know what the hell it feels like. And it's, uh, it's, uh, and it's, it's just, it's just things that people need to know and people want to hear because it helps them to understand one, your plight, but two, what they may actually go through when they get into this. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a lot of them that, you know, uh, that had really good jobs, really good careers when they came out and they're still doing their careers. And there's a lot of them that said, no, I'm going to do this, whatever it takes. You know, and those do, and to be honest, they make it usually make it faster than the other ones do. They get, they get into sales a lot faster and don't forget about quick uh, Kickstarter too. So there's always Kickstarter out there when you get a book down that you want to try uh, to make some money off. Which at Dave Hankins last year's, one of last year's winner, Death and the Taxman, he did a fantastic Kickstarter campaign. Um, very successful. Um, yes. So it's definitely, it's, there, there are many different opportunities now um, besides yeah. just kind of traditional publishing houses. So, so and I want to see all of y'all make it. But again, John, I had a great time. Any, like anywhere, any, anywhere anybody can find you? You want to give out any? Yes. Uh, so, well, go to my website, uh, jeschleicher.com. So that's J-E-S-C-H-L-E-I-C-H-E-R.com. Um, you can find some of the stories that I have uh, published or will be published. I also do a blog called Dope Means Delight where I just talk about things that delight me. Um, so check it out. Jay See, that, that, that would probably get me in trouble if I do that. So I'm just... <laughs> I get enough trouble on my news program as it is. So yeah. I'm, I'm constantly being cussed at. Well, being a centralist, a middleist, whatever you want to call me, I get to hate on both parties. So it just makes for all kind of fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everybody's like, you're so mean. I'm like, no, no, I'm just being honest. There's a difference between honesty and me. <laughs> no, there's not. I'm like, whatever. <clears throat> but again, thanks again. And I hope I can't wait to see y'all. What is it, about two months, two and a half months? Coming up, yep. April. Yeah, it's, it's getting yeah. here fast. Oh, man. They, they usually have pretty good food at the gate. Let's say. Yeah. Well, I appreciate uh, and, the the conversation and the. Platform. Oh, I do too. And right, I, and, and, I'll see and I in, uh, in Hollywood. Yeah, you too, man. You have a good one, baby. Thanks uh, again. Cheers. Dun, 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 dun. We dropped Lisa in with us, and uh, do, 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 do. Lisa, how you doing? Hi there. Good. How about you? Yeah, good. You got to listen to us, crazy guys. Yeah, we just running late tonight, so don't feel bad. That's Okay, I guess <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, well, too, you get to hear a lot of what's going to be asked anyway. So, uh, pronounce your last name for me Silverthorn, just Silverthorn. Like so, just Silver. like it looked, all right. Yeah, Silverthorn. With an e right. So, Silverthorn. So, when I when I when I look, so I look at names sometimes, I go, oh, what looks just like it said, and then I say it, and they're like, no, <laughs> it can't be right. That's too easy. <laughs> That's too easy. Uh, but anyway, uh, Lisa Silverthorn, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have Thank you with you. us. Uh, I can't wait to also get to meet you when you're out in LA. It's always fun out there. And uh, we always have a lot of fun with all everybody out there. And like I said, the authors get way more time to talk and push. And, and uh, we also get into um, the different types of media when we're out there. I I actually do a lecture on the very last day. It's just how to deal with the press. Um, So, so it just gives y'all an idea of bad purse versus good press. Cause all the press that y'all are going to be exposed to is really good press. So I can tell you that now, you know, there's not going to be any hostile press around. It's not allowed. Uh, there's not going to be any bad questions. All the press you see at the gala, which is going to be a lot of press uh, are all mm-hmm. going to be friendly press. Uh, so, and, and I'm there, I'm there to be friendly press. That's what I'm there for. So, and I'm also there as if any other press gets out of line, I'll kick them like they ain't never been kicked before. <laughs> but there's, I mean, you, you, know. you know, you know, well, you see a lot of big TV stations out there and uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, I do things a little different cause I, I like to interview the things. And then usually what I'll do is, uh, on the day of the gala, I will catch up with a lot of the family 
and just sit and talk with different, you know, people that I've interviewed, I'll sit and talk with their family, just to get a better idea of who they are. Uh, I don't, I don't record it or anything like that. Cause I don't, I don't want to stress out their family, but later on when I'll do a write up, I might in- include it in the write up or something. And it's just, it's just nice to, 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 to see how it is. Plus I'll get them to sign the book. So not only do I have y'all signatures and the judges signatures, I got the family signatures, which just, just, it's just an added thing to the books. I mean, they'll be there forever. I'm not going to sell any of them. So that's really uh, cool. So it's just so- something added. So, Yes, Maurice, I will ask her right now. Would you just calm down? <laughs> so Maurice, Maurice, where are you from, Maurice? Houston, Texas. I should have known. Uh, you're not from Houston. I bet you're from Austin. Don't lie. I bet you're from Austin. Yeah, hon. Something about the way you text it makes me think you're from Austin. You, 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 Houston girls are a little more forward than you are. Uh, anyway, uh, she, she, she's going to start off right with uh, what was it made – Shit, I'm getting tongue-tied now. She wants to know what it was that made you start writing, and when, when, when did you start writing, and what it was that made you think you were an author. That's actually how the question was worded. Um, my mother claimed that when I was two years old, I would walk around the house and steal everybody's pens and tell her I was going to be a writer because she read to me from the time I was in the womb just and at night we would just have stacks of those little golden books and she would read those to us and she would read, you know, four or five a night. And I just fell in love with books and stories. And so I've wanted to be a writer ever since I knew what a writer was. And uh, I got my first rejection when I was 11. (laughs) I wrote my, my first novel when I was like eight or nine. So, uh, Damn, go it's girl! Well, a part of my life—it's just who I am, I guess. No, yeah, well, once you make it part of your life, that—that's—that's that's the the best way to do it. Uh, well, no, Dean, what she's saying is—is it's just—it's just her. I mean, it's just part of who she is. Well, you get more stories that way, or you get better stories that way. It might be a better way of saying it. Uh, favorite genre? You got a favorite that you prefer, or, um, or just across the board? I'm kind—I kind of write across lanes. I kind of write um, in just whatever hits my, my fancy, but I do have a special place in my heart for fantasy because mm-hmm. that's, that's what I started out writing. And I, I love putting in a, a romantic subplot. So uh, give me a romantic fantasy and I'm right there, but yeah, yeah. Joe, you're not even going to ask the question. I'm sorry. We, well, somebody asked that question last, last time. I just told you she didn't have to ask it. Oh, <laughs> um, there's, there's, there's no, this this well, it's always good. I mean, you know, People have to remember when we're writing or when y'all are writing, because I'm only ever going to write like one book. But um, I, I know that, you know, we have to think that we want to write in a story that comes out of us. But when you think it as a market, how you're going to market this thing, then you have to think of how I'm going to get this group or that group or that group or this group or that group to listen or read my book. Um, and I, I, I've, you know, I've listened to the, the judges talk about that on how they can add this element in to the story <laughs> to, to make sure that, this fantasy group or this sci-fi group or this near future group or whoever it may be that they want to get in there will, will follow the book. Personally, I don't know enough about it. So uh, I just write whatever the hell comes out of my brain and stick it on a thing and stick it in a computer. Well, that's kind of how I do things too. I mean, when I get into my office, I try to get anything with marketing out of my office and I sit down and I write what, my heart wants to write and then I worry about the marketing later and I just feel like 
there there might be somebody that might enjoy this particular story. So no, because uh, I, I think the stories written from the heart are just or that are just just written are probably the ones that are the best stories. I mean, when you go back and you look at things like J.K. Rollins and you you look at Lord of the Rings or you, you look at Harry Potter, a bunch of I was listening to her talk about writing Harry Potter. She said the first book she just sat down and wrote the damn book. She she was like, well, you know, I just sat down and wrote it. And she meant she just sat down and wrote it. I was thinking, oh, you, you spent some time. No, she just sat down and wrote the damn book. And, I, and I've heard other authors saying that. I just I just sat down and wrote it. And sometimes if it's a big book or it's a couple of hundred thousand words or, you know, a hundred thousand words, sometimes you got to take a break. and Because it's a, a big ass book. It's a lot of typing or a lot of writing. Oh, but, yeah. and, and, you know, if I had a dollar for every author who told me uh, I just wrote the book, I, I could probably retire. Because, I mean, I do have friends in, in like uh, Nick Redfern. He's a nine to five writer. He's got 118 books. Of course, we got Wesley Dean Smith, who's got, I, I don't know, lost count of his books, over 200, oh, yeah. I think. Um, so, I mean, these these are prolific writers who can just sit down and just, I don't even know how they do it. Oh, I'm done. I'm done. And they write in such a way that they don't even have to have be edited because I guess they're edited pre in their head, uh, which is not something I can do for sure. <laughs> There gonna be some editing and some spell checking going on. Uh, I, I kind of cycle uh, when I write, so I, I I always go back and read. Like if I'm writing a novel, what I wrote the day before, and I work through that, and I clean it up and and fix whatever needs to be fixing, and then I move on. So I'm always cycling through a draft. So it's never just a first draft when I get finished. Yeah. You know, and I've heard some judges say it's a good thing. I've heard some judges say, it's a, as a matter of fact, I listened to Wesley Dean Smith and uh, Tim McCaffrey, McCaffrey go back, and McCaffrey's son go back and forth on what they should be doing when it comes to that. But it just shows you right there they're two great writers and, and they don't agree on how it should have be. Very done. different processes. Yes. And it works for both of them. So, I mean, you know. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, you know, we, we and it's, it's fun. I mean, we work with a lot of these authors and, uh, you know, we have seven authors on the network as it is um wow. and you know well one of them writes about bigfoot so uh, <laughs> he, he's got two bigfoot books but they're legit books i mean they publish and making money so they're legit no that's the important part uh, do you, uh, uh jeffrey i'm not a, i mean donnie i'm not a real uh bigfoot fan I, i'm not i'm not it's not i'm not a fan i'm just i don't really i don't know bigfoot doesn't do anything for me how's that uh, now some little gray aliens like Bob back there, that might be different, but you know, no, no, Bigfoot. <laughs> well, because I mean, a lot of things. Uh, no, we're not talking about me. What, what do you, what do you got, uh, Reese? Where you at, Reese? Oh no, not Reese. Who were well, you? Somebody new? Who are you? Uh, Lavia, Laviva. La I'm sorry. Where are you from, Laviva, Brazil? What you doing down there in Brazil? Uh, nice. No, I like to see an international audience because I mean, all, all this quill is really just an American show. So it's nice when we see we've had London, Brazil, we had a couple of countries in tonight. So what do you got? You mean, so you mean writing stories, fantasy stories, basically, but about other countries is what you're saying. So, all right, now I got you. So, so she, she's saying, can, could you write a story about, individuals outside the country but the protagonists say would be from like brazil but the person about the story could be american or english or something like that i guess the, the main character is what she's saying i'm confused by this by the way lisa <laughs> a little confused by this question well i like to do um 
when I like I one of the novels that I just put out uh, independently, the main character is a Brit. So I, I had to do a lot of research and every time uh, anything came out of his mouth, I had to research, you know, the words he said, where he was from, and because I needed to build a realistic picture of, you know, where this person is from, even though they're not in their own country anymore. So um, I do write stories like that, and it does take a lot of work up front and while you're writing, because a lot of times I have to stop and I have to go do some research and you know, what would this person eat? What would they, what would their experiences be like? Mm. Uh, what time period, uh, all of that. And, and so, yes, you can definitely write stories like yeah, that. Yeah. Cause the um, Brits just as bad as America with dialects around there. Oh country. yeah. Oh yeah. They're, yeah. I, I love, I love England. I think, uh, just, the the phrases that they have are just fascinating. I know so. they get they got some shit they say over there sometimes. It's uh, I got a lot of we got a, actually we have big fan big fan base in England. We always have uh, since I was hosting Wake Up USA since then, which oh, was twenty five years. Yeah, we have a big big fan base over there. And what gets me is my show you have on the cover. They'll listen. There'll be two three hundred thousand people listening. It's it's two it's midnight to two a.m. in the morning their time. They're listening. Oh, wow. so I'm like we're like coast to coast over, there and they love it. They they love it. But but even news on the flip side, which comes on late, and so when they're listening to news on the flip side, it's six a.m. in the morning, seven a.m. in the morning, nine, and so they're listening to us like a breakfast show for them. Oh, and okay. uh, and, uh, and and they they eat it up. We'll, we'll get phone calls, we'll get tags, we'll get all kind of stuff. Uh, people watch us on television. They just oh nice. And I and I can understand that because I watch. I got U.S. Europe. I mean, I got EO EU EUER news on my television, so I can watch the European news and stuff, and uh, EU news, European news, stuff like that. And I, and I like to watch it, but I didn't realize how many people from around the world uh, watch our news and watch us that way. Oh, that's and really cool. and to put it to put this into perspective. So our SoundCloud service, which is one of our bigger servers. Right now, the number one sir, number one country listening to us on SoundCloud right now is Israel, followed by Russia, followed oh, wow. by the UK, uh, followed by I forgot who it was. The US was fifth. We were actually fifth on the list. Oh wow! And uh, I was like, so I was like, wow, that's that's crazy. And some of our other archive servers are the same way. We're not the US isn't the first one on the list. Live service, <clears throat> a lot of times they're not first either. On this this show. The the U.S. audience will be about the same as whatever the audience is abroad, but a lot of the other shows, the U.S. audience is smaller. It's, we've been around a long time, two twenty five years, and we've been overseas a lot. We even have listeners in North Korea, which is crazy. Wow! We started out with one, and now we got fifteen. No, we got seventeen. They went up by two just recently. I have no idea who could possibly be. And plus, he's over there talking about blowing us off the planet. Uh, <laughs> True. I'm thinking, who the hell's listening? Though? Is it? <laughs> Is it like some little group somewhere, a little pirate group? Or is it somebody? It's got to be somebody higher up. I mean, it, it's it's got to be somebody who's an actress. Or- or, you know, no, they're probably just listening. It might be mom and dad and the family just listening. To okay. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I like I that know. picture better personally. Because, <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm sure it's not Kim Jong because a lot of times I have bad things to say about him. So. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I, don't always, I don't always talk pleasant about the gentleman outside. <laughs> We'll leave it at that, but still. Uh, Randy, Randy Williams, where are you at, Randy Williams? Scotland. Oh, Scotland. 
And thank God you're not on the phone because I would not have a, understood the words. You'd be like, <laughs> no, I can't understand you. Yeah, no, I've, I've done little interviews. They got great accents, but oh, you're saying it's Ireland with the crappy accent. Oh, no, all y'all see this. <laughs> this I look at it different than, than y'all do. So you Brits and the all over there, y'all love. We love all y'all's accents, Scottish, Australian. Oh, yeah. We love all of. But I found out, you know, when I first joined radio. That they love American, especially Southern American accents. Oh yeah, I get all kind of write-ins about it. There's an elegance to the Southern yeah. accent. I, I've, I've had not the Midwestern, that. which has nothing, which is yeah, what well, I. You know, I got I got kind of Southern kind of coon-ass accent, so it kind of crisscrosses. <laughs> but <laughs> some, sometimes the cage on comes out in me, which I got to watch. Oh, that's cool. Yes, it, the Cajun's bad. He, we have to keep him under lock and key. Like he's like, <laughs> his friend goes, "Are you coming out for my aggressive?" I'm thinking about. Him. He said, and he goes, is the Cajun Joe coming out from Monogress and the Cajun Joe staying at home, locked in the bedroom? <laughs> I said, he's not allowed to go out to Monogress. Oh, I think Cajun Joe would be fun. Oh, man. we get, it's, 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 it's insane right now. I literally have, was it, 18, almost 19 people came in town from five different states. Oh, wow. That's a lot of people. And, and uh, they're all, what got me is they were able to get hotel rooms as close to the city as they were. I was kind of oh, surprised really? by that. And but they're all down. Poor babies. It's going to rain all day tomorrow, half of Monday. But after that, it's going to be really pretty. So uh, Monday night and Tuesday, it'll be really pretty for Mardi Gras. So they can, nice. and it'll be, and it'll be in, in the high 60s. So oh, that's so, perfect. Weather. Yeah. So people are like that's going to be chilly. So no, not once you get in the crowd, it's not. No. Once you went in the crowd, it's going to be perfect weather. You won't be sweating. You'll just. What do you mean? Oh, Gene. So Gene, you can go to Earthlink and watch live Mardi Gras or Facebook for, for that matter. Or YouTube for that matter. Watch uh, Mardi Gras for free all you want. We'll put it on a site. It'll go up on a site tomorrow, and it'll, it'll stay there uh, on our on our main site until uh, well, till Monday morning. Then we'll take it down. Yeah, you can watch. We usually post three different cameras, and you can just watch what's going on. Mm-hmm. And if you see some guy throwing books, that'll be me. <laughs> so really, what's that, Janice? Well, I'll, I'll ask her. So Janice wants to know how how did, how is it being a woman in a male author's world because she's an author herself, oh. and uh, she said that sometimes she feels uh, that she's um, not pushed out so much but boxed in, which I don't understand quite what she means by boxed in, but I think she feels like the uh, men around her kind of push her into what they want her writing instead of what she wants to write. The hell with that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it can be tough. Um, I made my first professional sale. That I'm going to show how old I am. Um, back in 1994. Oh, you're and, a baby. What are you like, 25 and, or something? <laughs> and I, I started writing fantasy, but then I branched out into science fiction. And that's when I started to get a lot of friction about what I was writing. And and I don't understand that. You know, you're like the fourth woman that told me, maybe even the fifth one that's told me in the last three years, that they were getting pushback from writing sci-fi, real science fiction. And I, I'm at a loss for that. I don't even know what to think about that. I really don't. I'm thinking some guys are morons is what I'm thinking. Yeah, there's... A- I have a I have a tech background. I I worked thirty years as an IT professional, so uh, I have a master's in tech. So, you know, I may not be an an expert in everything that I write about, but you know, I know how to do research and um, 
and when you start wandering into uh, science fiction territory, you can get all kinds of different personalities. Um, I've had a lot of men that have been very supportive and haven't tried to, you know, control what I write or tell me that I can't write sci-fi because I'm a woman. Um, but th there have been a few that have basically told me to my face that how can you write science fiction? You know, what do you know? And You're like, um, what the hell's wrong with you? Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, at first it, it, it upset me and, you know, I would kind of shrink away from, you know, I get that, you know, pain in my gut whenever I would start looking at a science fiction idea. Oh, no, no. And, and then you start to get those voices in your office saying, you can't write that because you're a woman or somebody said this or, or, or whatever. So um, finally, I just got mad and I just said, you know, it's in my background, it's in my interest. So I'm just going to write it. And so I just have to push those voices out of my office and write the story that my heart wants to write. And then it, you just have to find that courage sometimes to push it out there. And, you know, there you're not going to please everybody. There's going to be somebody that's, I hate everything you write. <laughs> and there are going to be people that love everything you write. And, you and know, that's true. And, and you're going to have the people that are in between, but it's, it's true. I mean, you're going to have people. That just, and you could write the greatest story on the planet. Everybody, and it's like, uh, any, we'll, we'll use J.K. Rollins because everybody hates her yeah, now. But. Exactly. So, so she started out, everybody loved her. She was great. You know, even the people who didn't like the story ended up liking the story for the most uh -huh. part. I mean, you had some protractors, but not. But then, and I always tell people not to do this unless you're like me, she came out with about her politics. Yeah, and then her 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 popularity went through the floor, and then her last three movies were flops because a lot of people just wouldn't go watch. Right. And I tell this I tell this to people all the time. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. If you come out as one, the other half are going to stop buying your product. Exactly. And I said so. It's best to not even. I said if somebody asks you politics, I usually tell them. I said not me personally, but I always tell people. I said if they ask you politics, say I, I prefer not to talk about politics. And uh, and leave it at that because it's, it's not their business. It, it doesn't affect your writing. You're not writing about, you know, the big orange-headed guy or the guy who doesn't know his name. It's not what you're writing. Well, I mean, you could possibly be writing about it, but for the most part, you're probably not. Because a good friend of mine is writing a book about why the world's coming in because we have a guy that doesn't know his name in the White House. And I was like, I said, you know, they're going to come get you, right? <laughs> he's like, he's like, I said, I'm going to wait till either he loses or he gets his next four years before I release it. I'm like, <laughs> I was reading this pretty good book, but it's, um, he does, he does take, um, well, we'll just say he picks on the president a lot. Leave it at that. Wow. I mean, he doesn't call him by name. He doesn't say he's the current president, but when you listen to him, the description, you're kind of, yeah, it's pretty obvious. Um, because well, he talks about the the second coming of the orange guy, which you know he's talking about Trump. Oh, and yeah, uh, he, he's like, he said, why? I said, why are you coming? He said, because he's gonna win. I'm like, well, well, yeah, maybe. He's like, he said, oh no. So he said, we're gonna call him the second coming now. It's like, I said, don't do that. Yes, he's already got crazy followers. Don't be saying anything second coming, man. Just stop that. <laughs> He's like, well, and he goes, and he's mad at me because, you know, I wouldn't vote in the last two elections. I'm like, I'm not voting for people I don't want to vote for. Uh, I said, yes, I, and I do have a firm rule. If you don't vote, you can't bitch. But sometimes, it, for me, it becomes a moral issue. Um, yeah. Somebody asked me the first election, because I was, I was a Hillary Clinton fan at one point. 
And, uh, and somebody said, well, why didn't you vote? I said, because at that point, they were both so corrupt. I, I was just like, well, maybe Mexico's looking good right now. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, I, I don't even know what to think about our politics anymore. That's why, I, that's why I only talk about them on news on the flip side because we have four hosts on there and we can bounce it around in different directions. And it's, it's always fun to talk about like that. And, and and we don't discriminate. We hate on everybody. So <laughs> people don't think mine when you hate on everybody. It's just when you only hate on one, they get mad. <laughs> True. Because I got a good I got a good friend of mine. I was picking on him about something. He's hardcore liberal. Really, really good. He's a really good guy too. And he he was writing something. I said, "Oh my God, we actually can agree on something." He's like, "What?" I said, "Marjorie Green has lost her effing mind." <laughs> He wrote this big article about it. I'm like, shit, I can't believe we agree on something. He's like, he's like no way. I'm like, yeah, man. He said, he said, shit, is there nukes falling out of the sky? Like, it happens sometimes. Uh, Christopher, what do you got, man? Um, but she told you a little while ago. No, we're not going in. She already told you about why she's writing and how she gets started. Yes. You, uh, you better go watch the archive is all I can tell you. Yes, you go ahead, scroll up, come up with another question. Uh, Judy, hey, Judy, where are you from, Miss Judy? Are you from New Orleans? You're down here? Are you, are you, oh, you're not home right now, huh? <laughs> yes, I can understand that. I'm, I'm not here. Where are you, actually, by the way? Oh, we see, that's where I was talking about, going to Panama City. Actually, I want to go to a place called Grayington Beach. It's, it's oh, I don't want to talk about this real, but real fast, people. If you ever want to go to a place that America should be, Go to Grayington Beach. Grayington Beach, you could be driving down at four o'clock in the morning. You could break down, your car could fall apart in less than 10 minutes. Four people will stop and ask you. They'll change your tire for you. They're trying to fix your car for you. Uh, Everybody's very polite. Plus, if you don't like driving, every place has bicycles in front of it. Free, by the way. You don't have to pay to ride them. You just drive, ride one bike to the next place, drop it off, take another and go to the next place. You, You get colors, baskets, whatever you want. You just girls bikes boys bikes nice. which i'm still confused about the boy and girl bike i think they got that backwards yeah i always thought that too <laughs> you know they're just something about that so my, my mom told me oh it's because girls don't want their dresses hanging over the bar i'm like why not i said that don't even make any sense i said guys definitely don't want a bar there and, and girls hanging down like their dress is going to get caught in the damn chain I said, I said that never made any sense to me somebody somewhere i thought that was funny is what that was <laughs> some old some old pervert somewhere in the, in the 1800s said i'm gonna get even with him now <laughs> it's uh i don't even know what to think about things like that it's it's just what what is that kirby where are you Oh, no, you did Kirby James, not the Kirby Ross. Yeah, because I call him Kermit. That's why. Yeah, because he's always got that green thing on his chat box. Yeah, that's why I call him that. Where are you, by the way? Portland, Oregon. Man, you up there. One of my favorite friends, Zuby. Uh, she's up there in Portland, Oregon. Yes. She no, is Portland. She is a candle in the dark up there. Yes. You'll know what I'm – well, I'm not going to get into why, but she is. So let me put it another way. She stands – amongst the population, she stands out like a candle. Yes. Figure it out. It's not that complicated. But anyway, what do you got for us? Oh, well, no. So you mean like Hemingway? So she, she, yeah, hold on. So he's wanting to know basically is there like a favorite place you'd like to go sit and write? Or do you know somewhere like around the country, around the world that may be more conducive for you to just sitting out and bang out a book or something? Well, that's a good question. Uh, that's a great question. Um, actually, one of my favorite places in the United States is the Pacific Northwest. Um, Beautiful. I, I love Portland. Um, 
I love one of my favorite places is Friday Harbor, Washington. And if I could just go right anywhere on the planet, I would go sit in a little cafe on Front Street and watch the uh, the ferries come in at the harbor there. Um, that would be one of my favorite places to write or at the picnic table by the um, the lighthouse on the west side of the island. So, Yeah, there, there's a lot of beautiful, a lot of beautiful area up there. Yeah, um, and actually the Pacific Northwest is um, one of my favorites, so it appears in a lot of the stories I write. It's just well, well, if you're comfortable and it makes you feel comfortable uh, – uh, wait, wait, no, I've already talked to James. What are y'all talking about? Y'all on crack over there or something. It's, um, I mean, really and truly, I, I enjoy, uh, I was, it's been a long time since I've been up there, but it's, it's a really pretty area of the United States. Uh, it's a very relaxing area up there. Just stay away from Seattle, but, um, and that's not, you know, what really sucks people. Seattle was one of the greatest cities in this country. I don't know what happened to it. We're not going to get into it on this show. But even my friends who live up say, don't come. It's, I'm just telling you what they say. Matter of fact, a bunch of them have moved outside of Seattle now. They still live in, they still live in Washington State. They just don't want to live in Seattle anymore. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I remember when all this stuff started. Uh, you got to go all the way back to Uncle Obama. But um, still, there was a lot of bad stuff. And then there was that, all those weeks they seized it and all those places. And, and since then, uh-huh. then they were trying to burn down the courthouse. So, and then... For some reason or another, they keep going up on their minimum wage. Now, they're up to $20 an hour minimum wage there now, but nobody wants to pay it, so they're taking their businesses outside of Seattle. Oh. So so people, it's, it's just a mess right now. So all my friends up there, and I, I probably have more than 100 up there, are saying the same thing, just stay away from now. Everybody says go to Portland. It's beautiful and it's quiet and peaceful there. Um, and the Oregon coast. I love the Oregon, Oregon coast. coast. It's fabulous. Well, no, Chris, you're thinking of Seattle. That's Puget Sound. Yeah, that's also beautiful. But what she's talking about, the Oregon coast is fabulous. And what's nice about both Washington State and Oregon, the coastal areas don't get five tons of snow like the rest of the state does. Yeah. They have a little warm uh, coastal breeze that comes up there and keeps a lot of that snow out of there. Oh, no. See, like Seattle? So if you're in the middle of Seattle and you're on the eastern side of Seattle, I mean the western side, you're not going to see much snow. You go on the eastern side, you're going to be four foot deep, man. <laughs> the Seattle Tacoma area, oh no, it gets deep up in there. It's it's like lake effect almost because it, it's inland far enough that it freezes and, and drops on them. But close in, it's warm enough that it doesn't. Well, there's a whole section of Alaska where you can go live that it never snows. And it's right there by, um, oh, wow. right above BC. It's because of the, the, the way the current runs, it keeps uh-huh. that area warmed up. Yeah, look, nature's a weird thing. Yeah, I always said the same thing. How can there be no snow in Alaska? But it's actually a true thing. Uh, Martha, what do you have for us? Oh, Lisa is a very nice lady. That was very nice of you to say. Oh, thank you. Oh, okay. No, no, we'll, we'll ask her because we got a little bit of time because I haven't seen another guest. Uh, so she's she's wanting to know. She, we were talking about the 24-hour story earlier, which, of course, well, she's got a lot of hair. So if she starts pulling hair out, she ain't got a lot. <laughs> I know. Got a lot of, it's not like my head where you're going to go, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, so... She's saying, have you started thinking about your 24-hour story ahead of time? Um, actually, no. Um, I, I kind of thrive on short deadlines. Um, I like to do... Um, You'll do good then. Um, I've written 24-hour uh, stories in 24 hours before for um, anthologies and workshops. So 
um, I, I get very energized when I'm told that you've got 24 hours to write the story. I, I, I really thrive on that challenge. Um, I, I like to do, um, like set a, a deadline to do a first draft on a novel in 30 days. And, um, I'll, I have this completionist gene, so I'm like compelled to finish it. <laughs> so, so it becomes an obsession and I'll, you know, I'll be at that keyboard every night and every hour until I get, uh, that story or, or that draft done. So, um, so no, I'm energized by it and I can't wait to, to get started. Well, I'm saying you're, you're going to do well with it then. I mean, it's going to be, it'll be an easy story for you. Uh, well, I don't want to say easy, but I mean, it'll, it'll be easier. It might be a better way of saying it. Yeah. I'm not afraid of the deadline, but you know, sometimes when you're under pressure, you're like, I have no idea. <laughs> I've got, you know, like the, the guy that tore up his story that you were talking about yeah. like three or four times. I mean, that's, that's amazing. To- and it's, it's funny how many people actually did that in the, in the four years I've talked to them. It is kind of, it's kind of weird, kind of a little bit strange, but um, I mean, and you don't, and the thing of it is, it's like with one guy I was talking to, he was 65. I said, dude, why don't you hand it to your roommate? Cause you know, I said, or ask them what they think before you tore the damn story up. Yeah. I said, just cause you think it sucks. Doesn't actually mean it does. The writer is the worst judge of their own yeah. work. That's one well, of the like, things I've learned. Yeah. Well, one of the biggest pieces of advice is they give you when you get your stories read, don't let your mom and dad or brother and sister give you advice on it because some moms and dads may be honest and some brothers and sisters, but the, for the majority, 95% don't want to hurt your feelings. So they're just going to, yeah. So they always say you go out to your friends and say, if I give it to one of my friends, okay, Oh God, that sucks. Joe, what is wrong with you? Really? What are you doing with this, man? Have you been smoking well, crack or something? <laughs> so they'll be, and they'll be brutally honest. That's why I'll give it to four or five. Cause they all ain't got the same taste, but um, it's, it's, it's just part of it guys. Now the twenty four hours story story is tough. I, I I think no, I think Lisa's going to do fine with it. I think she's going to blow right through it. Um, I don't know if, how it'll turn out, but uh, no, I you never you never do. <laughs> and you know they got they got I forget her name. She comes and she does the um, so she's got a list she gives you, and she gives you I think it's a twenty roll dice and some other stuff. And you roll the dice, and then you get to pick one part of the story, and then you, you do that, and then you roll the other dice, you get to pick the other part, and you oh, roll another. Fun. Uh, and it is, and I and she goes. I was sitting there watching. Like, I said, no, I don't want none of that. She said, so at the end, she goes, "You do. You need to do this." So she gave me when she said, "Now sit down." So she stayed after the class with me, and she said, "I want you to do this." I said, "You know, I'm not all." She said, "You are. You just don't know it." So she <laughs> sat down with me, and she we rolled one. And I actually, after about five of them, it was a pretty, barely decent story. Nothing I would want to submit to anybody, mind you, but you know, for just off the cuff writing for someone who's never really wrote before. It was, it was, it was actually pretty decent. I uh, uh, submitted a story to an anthology um, one time. It was called Recycled Pulp. And they had this huge list of all these pulp titles, you know, the really crazy yeah. titles. And um, you had to give like three numbers to, uh, to the anthologist. And then they would give you three titles. And that's all you get, and you have to write a story based on those titles. That was so much fun. So it it like is. That. I mean, that, that kind of stuff is fun, and uh, there's a lot of exercises there that I, I find that everybody feels comfortable with. I notice. Uh, don't, and you know, I'll, I'm gonna tell you a little secret that I shouldn't. The judges like you people who ask questions. Um, I noticed last year for some reason the first the first 
year I was there, it was insane because there were so many people. And it was everybody was asking questions. And, and the year before last, it was the same thing. Last year, there only seemed to be, like with the authors, only, only seemed to be three or four authors that really were, were everybody else seemed to be really quiet and laid back and didn't want to ask anything. Oh, okay. It was the same thing with the illustrators, which was surprising to me. Uh, cause I was like, man, you need to ask. I mean, you, you got the best brains in the country for the here. Exactly. Pick them. You take, know, take, take advantage. Yeah. And they right. want to be taken advantage of. That's, that's the thing. It's, it's not, you know, and you'll hear them. I mean, there'll be several times, <clears throat> you know, they'll break for lunch and you'll hear one or two or three of the judges say, Hey, you want to come to lunch with us? And, oh, and, okay. you know, and depending which hotel we're staying at, you know, it might be pizza next door or, or down in the, in the room or across the street at McDonald's, who knows, but they're going to go have lunch. And Kevin J. Anderson invited everybody to his birthday last year. Well, all the authors anyway. Uh-huh. And uh, we had a big pizza party. And, uh-huh. uh, so, and, and they were there and, and the judges were there. And there was a lot of judges there. And everybody got to talk and be friendly. And, um, and you know, they had the barbecue on one day. And everybody, everybody gets out there and chit-chats and talks. Sometimes uh-huh. I go find a table and just sit down and eat. Because by that time, I'm freaking starving. And, uh, <laughs> Because I forget sometimes to eat while I'm, and I, and also I forget, you know, everything closes in LA. I'm I'm used to New Orleans where everything's 24 hours. Oh, so okay. if I get hungry in New Orleans, I go to damn Denny's at two in the morning or anywhere for that matter, and well, get something I'm to in eat. Vegas, so it's kind of the same way. You can always find something. To yeah, eat it, so it's uh there not so much. A lot of their places closed, and and uh, and I remember the first year we were there it was just me and Tom Woods and Echo Chernick and somebody else. We were looking for alcohol. Is what we were looking for. Oh, okay. And, Midnight, no, no, no. There's no alcohol after midnight. And on the weekend, there's nothing after 2 a.m. I'm like, God, what kind of age are y'all living in this place? And and one guy looked at me like, what do you mean? That's good. I said, no, I'm from New Orleans, man. There is no time when you can drink. He's like, what? I said, no. I said, you can walk to the board at 4 a.m. in the morning if you want to. They don't care. I said, you can buy liquor at the damn convenience store 24 hours a day. And I mean hard liquor. Mississippi, it's different. You can you can buy like wine or um, beer here until midnight, uh, and oh, you can okay. you can only get hard liquor from a liquor store until midnight. But yet, you can go to a casino and drink for free all night long. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it, it's one of them things. And um, I came from a city that had blue laws for the you know for um, most of my life, so it's that's how it is here. There's a bunch here in Louisiana. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of blue laws that they don't enforce anymore, but they're still there. And if they want to use them, they can. Uh, but there's a bunch of like, you know, in Louisiana, every Sunday you can beat your wife with a four inch wide uh, belt. Yes. It's legal too. Oh my uh, God. Then that, which I, I don't think if you did, I think you'd end up in jail, but still yeah. it's, it's, it's in the law and books with your own two by yeah. four or whatever. No, no, no liquor at all on Sundays. Uh, you can't buy it anywhere, but you can go to a casino and get it, but you can't get it anywhere else. Okay. Uh, Okay. Yeah, no, 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 which I've always wondered, you know, I asked the preacher this one time. I said, well, wait, he said, well, yeah, they can't drink on Sundays. I said, well, they can drink at the casino. <laughs> I said, shouldn't it be off limits at the casino too? He said, oh, Joey, we, they might leave. I said, they're not going anywhere. They're making far too much money here. Um, <laughs> I said, they're not going anywhere. I mean, the the casino floors here are actually bigger than the ones in Vegas. That's cracks. So, you know, last time I was in Vegas. Yes. So last time I was in Vegas, I was in, not in early times, but the very first time I went, I was in the military station in San Diego. So I went to Vegas and I seen all these big gambling floors. So I get here, we got these huge things, the whole size of a big barge and shit. I mean, they're huge casinos. And some, some of them have three and four decks of casino. Wow. And uh, so I get to, I get, so I walk in, we're staying at the MGM 
I walk in, their casino floor is about a third the size of one of the smaller ones. I'm like, what the hell? And then, so we went, we, we stayed at the Lexor for a couple of days. We stayed at Flamingo a couple of days. We, we stayed at five or six different, because we were in Laughlin. Uh, we stayed in Laughlin for a while, because I was lecturing in Laughlin for seven days, and then we were in oh. Vegas for a few days. So a guy must have lost like $35,000 in. And the whole trip, I think we were down like 56 grand or something. Wow. And, uh, and we were making Katrina money, so it didn't really matter. But I mean, it mattered, but it didn't. So the last two days we there, I said, I'm tired of staying at these fancy, fancy hotels. I looked around. I wanted something a little closer to the airport, and I found this place called the Orleans. I said, well, it's Orleans. So we go in. First off, the casino floor is massive. I mean, it's massive. It's five times bigger than anything I've seen out there. I mean, it's just huge. So I said, okay. So my wife and I started gambling, walking around, gambling, gambling, gambling. By 2 a.m., not only we had won everything back we lost, we won everything back on the trip. We spent three days in there, two and a half days in there, just hitting jackpot, 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 jackpot. Sheer luck. I mean, it's just what you call lucky because that's all it was. And uh, and then it got something that got so bad, security started following me around because these little professional ladies were following me around. So security said, get out of the day. I'm not kidding you. I went up to the bar to gamble. I was playing uh, blackjack, not blackjack, um, uh, anyway, video poker. Oh. Uh, I think it's playing Deuces Wild. And one came sat on each side of me and security came up and removed them. And then everywhere I went after that, for the whole night, there would be one sitting by me. So finally, I called up my wife. I said, you got to get next to me or something. She said, no, you're a jinx. I'm going to gamble. <laughs> Like, you gotta be kidding me! So all night it was funny though, because but we won a lot of money that night. I ain't gonna lie, it was it was, um, it was just it was one of them things you wouldn't expect it. You know, I figured we were gonna go home, you know, in the hole, which we yeah. we planned. We re- I mean, we planned on spending half of that anyway. Um, we just didn't plan on gambling as much as we did. But we you know we already knew Laughlin was gonna cost us X amount of dollars. Plus, I mean, they were paying me for the lectures and stuff. So I think I was being paid um, sixteen hundred dollars a night or something. Plus, oh. they, they paid for the in Laughlin. They paid for the hotels and all, and okay. and then yeah, and they paid for the airfare too. But uh, when we right. went to when we went to Vegas, we were paying every for everything. So, um, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I enjoyed the MG. I enjoyed the lecture. I mean, the hotels there were nice. They were fun. They had a lot of gimmicks in them. But I was just disappointed. I was disappointed by the food, which it's hard for me because I have a different standard on food than the rest of the country does. And uh, so when I travel. It makes it hard when people, oh, they got good food. They tell me, oh, it's spicy. And I go eat. I say, no freaking spice. And, and, and America, I'm going to tell you this again. Spicy does not mean hot down here. It means seasoned. Okay? We have hot food, which we have lots of. But we when we use the word spice, we mean spices. There may be 8, 10, 12 different spices in, in food that we're cooking. So that's what we mean. We want we want heavily flavored food that that you remember for weeks and months after you ate it. Hey Nolan, how you doing? Oh Rose, how you doing, Rose? Uh, first time in. Glad to see you popping by. I guess uh, we lost. I guess tonight's guy must have not made it because we're almost done on time. Mm-hmm. It's um, I guess she got maybe she got scared. Some people get nervous sometimes. <laughs> it's uh, I, I didn't you know it's funny. I was in Washington D.C. doing lectures. And uh, these two ladies had been following me around for two days. And finally, my wife says, what are y'all doing? What do you want? We, they were in the elevator with us, and they kept staring. So, oh we, got out, so we got out the elevator, and, and Linda just finally said, like, what the hell do y'all want? Well, we, we want to talk to Joe. We're just too scared to talk to him. And she's like, what? She, so she grabs them both by the hand. She walks them over to my table where I'm sitting. 
She said they would like to talk to you. I said, well, have a seat and talk to me. Oh, no. Oh, I said, just have a seat. I said, that's what I'm here for. I said, I come here for y'all. I said, I don't come here for the lectures. I said, I can get on this freaking radio and TV and lecture all I want. And I said, I come here to meet the people. That's the reason I go to these events. Really? I'm like, yes. And then they freaked out because I asked two of the big ufology people who were there with us if, if they would give up their chairs and let these two young ladies come eat with us. And, of course, they didn't mind because, you know, they just went and sat with some of our friends. And uh, they were stunned. It was, I still get letters from how great the event was. <laughs> this is like we're talking like eighteen years ago. I'm like, I'm like whatever. Uh, I love meeting new people and writers. Yes, it's fun. You learn something from everyone you meet. You do. It's always something you take away. And, and, and I've been lucky. I got to meet Edgar Mitchell and uh, a couple of astronauts, and uh, I've oh. met quite a few. I met quite a few of the. Um, the shuttle astronauts, but the Gemini and Mercury guys who are, who are once the one I meet. So I never got to meet Neil, um, but Buzz Aldrin and um, what's his name? I got to meet at the Washington press club. I was there in DC giving lectures and, uh, for the X conference and uh, okay. Edgar Mitchell was sitting next to me and Buzz was sitting across from me. And I forgot the guy sitting on the right side of me. He was one of the pilots and um, we were just talking and we, I was asking him 5 million questions and the guy's like, Man, you got a lot of questions. I said, well, aren't you? He said, yeah, we're here to answer your question. He said, but you actually ask real questions. I said, well, thank you. Um, but it was, it, I mean, it's a, for me, it was hero worship, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it was, it was uh, it's meeting, and, and I wasn't disappointed by meeting my hero, which was nice. You know, even though Buzz Aldrin keeps saying that we never went to the moon. <laughs> Edgar told me, Edgar tore his ass up while we were having, having dinner. He's like, well, you never went to the moon, then give all that money back and give that damn award they gave you back too. Why you I'm not giving that back. I went to the damn moon. He's like, <laughs> oh, it's just it was too damn funny. Yeah, right. but but you know they they were very they were like the judges. They were very approachable, very nice. Wanted to talk to people. Oh, uh, nice. Seemed seemed to want to interact with everybody and wanted to tell you what they saw while they were in outer space. It was funny to me because Edgar Mitchell actually said this, and I and I've been bitching about this for decades. I said, I'll never understand when a, when a, when an astronaut told us they saw an alien spacecraft while we argued with the guys we sent into space to go find the alien <laughs> spacecraft. I said, I'm confused. I said, we train these guys. We spend millions of dollars on these guys to send them to space to find E.T. And when they find E.T., we're like, no, you didn't. I'm like, no, you couldn't have. <laughs> and Edgar Mitchell said, uh, him and Buzz were talking about the amount of craft they had seen from all the way from Gemini, all the way up through Apollo, through oh. Gemini and Mercury, he said it was ridiculous. He said the first Mercury missions, he said they would just like sit on the side of the damn capsule and watch us. And I'm thinking, because they're probably laughing their asses off going, you're in a capsule this big. <laughs> <laughs> they're probably going, these stupid humans, look at these humans. <laughs> Like oh, they look at this. Yeah, you know, and they probably, and then you know, then they seen us to go to the next phase and the next phase, and then finally, we finally went to the moon, and, and they're probably laughing that we went to the moon, and and then of course Neil Armstrong says they asked us not to come back to the moon. So, and uh, I never could get him, I never could get the interview with him to ask him personally. I asked the two reporters that interviewed him one and two different times, and they told me word for word, and then I asked a friend of his. And he told me word for word. And then finally, I got to meet these, these these Gemini astronauts and I asked them and they were like, no, he was serious. He said he wow. said that they were told not to come back. He said they were wow. And I said, well, we did quit going back. Um, was it 18, 19, and 20 were paid for and we never used them. So huh. paid to wait. That's what's even worse than that. All the crews were picked out and trained and all the missions were paid for. 
The money had already been done. All the equipment was built. Everything was assembled. And we just said no. Now, you know that's not how that happened. They got used somewhere. Unfortunately, we'll just never know what it was. Exactly. Uh, uh, Rose, they did find out about 18. Uh, but other than 19 and 20, we'll never know what happened with them. I mean, I couldn't even find the damn pictures in, in NASA. It's, it's really? just kind of fun. Yeah, NASA's a mess. And then recently they found um, Neil Armstrong's boot print on the moon it was made with these with the crosses on them. The one they have on display, that NASA, has a big round circle in the middle of it. It's not even the same boot. Oh, my God. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, wait a see, we didn't go. We didn't go. I said, no. I said, probably it's at some other NASA facility somewhere. I said, they just did. I said, you can't have the same suit at every facility NASA has. It doesn't work that way. No. And, and I've been to several of them where they have like the lander and the suits and all that. And they say, this is Neil Armstrong's suit. No, it's a replica is what it is. It, yeah. They, as far as I know, they didn't have four or five of them. So actually, Jackie, what you got? One more question because we're out of here because we had 10 minutes out. Well, no, Sky didn't make it, I guess. I guess, well, no, I'll, I'll let uh, Carmen know, and Carmen, Carmen will take care of it. Well, we, we, well, because we're doing short ones with everybody until we get, this way everybody's used to me, and, and I'll know what's coming in the interviews when we get there. Because last year, getting interviews was like pulling teeth. Really? Well, a lot of people said I was intimidating. I'm like, you're shitting me, right? And uh, <laughs> the guy says, you're in three-piece suits, man. You're just intimidating. I said, I'll wear jeans if it makes you feel bad. I said, I always got jeans and T-shirts with me. I said, you know, I'm a contractor. So look, I'll, I'll put my absolute, my, um, what's, what's my, my favorite t-shirt right now? Um, an occasional adult. That's what it says on it. An occasional adult. Oh my God. I love that. <laughs> so I said, I'll just put that on in my jeans. And I said, you won't have nothing to worry about. There you and go. Then, he's like, you wear jeans? I said, yes. <laughs> I said, pretty much every day. And I said, uh, I said, the only time you see me is in a suit is at night or at, at special events and stuff. I said, but you're not going to see me wearing my, my daytime job because the suits cost so much to be walking around paint areas and dirty places. Oh, yeah. I know. Uh, Frankie Lee, uh, what you got, Frankie? One, 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 one last question. Oh, you mean like a tour? Oh, no, okay. I, no, I, I thought you meant like a tour. So Frankie Lee saying, if, if you were like in London or in one of the great cities like London or Hong Kong or, uh -huh. or Moscow or something like that, would it be easier to write a story about the area while you were in it? I don't know. Yes, it definitely would be easier because I, I tend to be a very visual writer. So I like to, I like to see the whole, if, if I've set a scene somewhere like the tower of London, you know, I like to touch the walls and I want to, I want to know what it smells like, what it feels like, you know, how the air feels, how many people, um, so it, it's definitely advantageous to be in the space to, to write. I, I, I can see that. I can see where it'd make it more comfortable to. Uh, you're kind of in the moment with it, which is, um, and when you, when you write about a place and you're not there, you have to, you have to make up for that because I, I pity anybody that would look at my Google search history. Cause it's like, what is this smell like? And what does this feel like? You know, cause I just, I have to bring those details in to make it feel real to me. So. Yeah. And it helps to make it real, make it feel real to everyone else. Uh, what do you, what do you mean, Christopher? Uh, I don't, I don't, you're going to have to rewrite that, that paragraph. Cause it's like jibber jabber, man. Yes. I don't speak jibber jabber unless I'm drunk or something. <laughs> yes. And, 
I can write jibber jabber all day long. Matter of fact, all my friends say that if you want to talk to me in chat, you have to learn Jojo Ease. That's that's and you know what? Even John will tell you that. Yes, you have to learn Jojo Ease if you want to chat with me in, in text. Well, because unfortunately for me, my brain works faster than my fingers do. So I'll think I've wrote like a paragraph and I've <laughs> left out like half the damn thing. That's why it's hard for me to write a book. Yeah, I don't know. It just you, my brain just works. You know, my fingers are a lot faster than they used to be, but still, they're not. My brain's way. Faster. It's hard to it's keep like, up sometimes because uh, I do that when I'm ready too. It's like I don't even know what that means, so I have to go back and figure it out. Well, I would do audio to text, but you know, my Cajun accent sometimes to audio to text is not what you think it's going to be. It, it makes words that I'm like, where? Well, I never said that. Where the hell did you get this from? <laughs> and it's, see, I need that tactile feel of the yeah, keyboard when I'm writing. It, it makes me feel I've tried to like dictate stories and things and it's just not it's it's more um I feel more grounded in the story when I'm actually hitting those keys. That makes sense to me. I, but I'm one of those ta tactile people. I like the sense of feel, the sense of smell. I don't think people realize how, how big a, a sense of smell can put something in your head. I mean Oh yeah, uh, it can put a memory in like that. Yeah, you know, I mean it's smell of a perfume or a favorite uh, food. Yeah, Claire, I actually think the sense of smell for me personally uh, brings the feeling much much closer, much because tactile works fine. But like you know, if I can pick up my glass with my tea, like just it's great. But if I get in there and smell it, and I'm like, and I smell yeah. that lemon and that tea. It, see, that brings it. It really brings it to my brain. Exactly, and those details. I mean, if it's the type of tea or, or the smell, mm -hmm. I mean, it can change your whole story. It can. And it can definitely change the outcome of a story for sure. And who picks up that glass, it can change your whole yes. story. Oh, Gene, don't start with the glass half full, half empty. You know what it is? I'm going to tell you exactly what you damn pragmatist. Okay. It's not a half a glass. It's not, it's not half empty and it's not half full. You know what it is? It's a half a glass of whatever. Yes. It's not. It, what does it matter if it's a half, if it's half full or half empty, it's just a half a glass. You're just making it half full or half empty. It doesn't really matter. See, the first time I ever took one of those tests, I still remember a psychologist looked at me and she said, I've been doing this 40 years. No one's ever said that before. I said, well, isn't that what it is, a half a glass? She said, your brain does not work like a normal person. So there's a bunch of questions she asked me. The answers were like, she's like, really? She said, your brain does not work like a normal person's brain. I said, I said, well, my doctor said, I think abstract. I said, maybe that's what it is. She said, and how high is your IQ? I said, it's up there a little ways. And she, I said, but that, I said, I'm still dumb as dirt. And that's another thing, people. My IQ is 169, but you know what? It, it's, it doesn't really matter. Because it's, in, in science, I'm gifted. It's uh, 172. Okay, wow. I, do have a, I do have a bachelor's in science. You, but you know what I do for a living? None of that. <laughs> None of that. All, all high IQ means is that in abstract thought, you can think faster and better. But in everyday regular thought, it does not make that much difference. And it doesn't matter if you haven't learned the material. It doesn't matter what kind of IQ you have. You can't use it. You still have to be – all an IQ is like a booster is what it is. You still have to do everything a normal person would do. And if you want that IQ to be any better, then you, you'll, you'll do it faster and better. But you still have to do it in order for that to make a difference. In other words, I can't just look at the computer and say, oh, look, I know everything now. <laughs> It don't work that way. Oh, that's funny. It's um, it, well, it is. But I never understood it when I was young. They kept, oh, you're gifted. I'm like, okay. I thought they mean I was retarded or something. Uh, <laughs> no, really, I didn't. I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. 
And uh, what do you and mean then, I'm gifted? How dare you? I know. I'm like, what do you mean the short bus? I will slap somebody. <laughs> and, uh, and and then I and then I remember my, when uh, I was joining the Navy, and I had just taken the ASVAB, and I scored like 98. percent I was outrageously high. And uh, they're like, "Wow, what is your IQ?" And, and I said, "Well, I, I got to register with Minsa." And he's like, "Oh, really?" And he came back. He said, "Well, you know, you can do anything in Navy you want, right?" And I'm like, "Really?" I said, well, I want to do advanced electronics. And that's what I ended up taking it. Advanced avionics and advanced electronics. Oh, wow. Yes. I love, I'm, I'm a geek at heart. I can't help myself. I, I love tech. I love I do too. I can't help myself. Apart, putting it back together. I, I remember the first time I took a computer apart. Everybody looked at me like, you're going to be able to put it. I said, yeah, I'll fix it. Don't worry about it. I remember my first computer. And I still, to this day, for the most part, build my own computers. Uh, I just bought a 224 course because I was in a hurry, but. Uh, but usually I build them myself because I, I like it because then I know where everything's I at. To. You know, well, I don't have the time what anymore. What you've got under the hood, essentially. And, yeah, it does. And, but now uh, I, my time's more important to me than building the computers. So. Yeah, because that, and that's it. If you, I don't have that kind of free time anymore. When I was younger, I had the free time to do it. Exactly. Now, now it's not going to happen. That, that's why those two guys. No, Chris, you don't use water inside your computer. <laughs> no, liquid cool. You can, all right, if you think you're going to put, you can do a look a cool system with water and you're just going to ruin your computer. Um, they have non-conductive fluids they use that will, even if it leaks, it will not harm your computer. So that when the first computer to ever break a speed test was built and immersed into um, mineral spirits. That's what it was set into. They just set it in a bathtub full of mineral spirits. Yeah, the whole thing, and it ran its little happy ass off because it never got hot. That's why. Yeah. yeah, water liquid cool is great. Yeah, I have both of these computers are liquid cool. This one I'm on right now is not, but these, the other two are, and they're great. And as long as they don't leak, they're always great. Yeah. All right, one more question since we're already 20 minutes over. What 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 is it, Helen? Helen of Paradise. What the hell does that mean? Paradise, Nevada. Oh, it could be Paradise, Nevada. I thought about that. You you in Paradise, Nevada? No, you're not. Where are you? Maui, wow! Oh, you're you're in Maui in Hawaii. Well, nice. Oh, that's much better. <laughs> yes, that's true. I'm not arguing. With it. That's pretty much paradise. Maui is beautiful. Oh, so she said. She said, "Now, don't get offended about this question." She said because she lives in Maui, Hawaii, where there's lots of Maui, Wowie. She said, "Would <laughs> would certain substances would they help you to what you okay? Would it help you to use your imagination?" Um. It possibly, um, but the first thought that I had was um, a lot of writers, myself included, we we struggle with uh, the, the, the writer voice versus the critical voice. And those substances would probably be ideal for getting rid of critical voice because that that destroys things that you're writing and that would definitely keep my critical voice in the background and keep my creative voice forward and probably help my imagination too. So I'm going to say yes to that. Yes. Well, cause I, I know some people who do and some people who don't, well, I wouldn't you know Jackie, I wouldn't go getting crazy with crazy drugs cause no telling what's going to come out of your brain at that point. <laughs> True. Um, um, no, I'm, I know, I know a lot of people who, who smoke pot and write, and I know some that are, are yeah. that have actually that are actually pretty good uh, writers that make pretty good money. And I know some that are not that are also make pretty good money. Um, Jesse always tells me for him, he's got 110 books now. He says, he said the reason he smokes is because he can block everything out and just zone out into what he's doing. Oh, it helps with his focus. Yeah, okay. so he just he he gets high and then he just gets in front of it. 
He zones out all the noise and everything around him, and he just goes to writing. And he said, what's funny about it is, depending on what kind of pot it is, he said he will write as long as the, as the high lasts. He said, okay. usually it's three to four hours he'll write without any interruption. And he said, and then, uh, he said, but it doesn't go back. Can't go back and smoke more. He said, that's all I'm going to get. He said, maybe later in the evening or later in the day I can. He said, but I can't just write away. He said, but it's getting me. He told me now he's getting about right around 38 to 35 to 38 hours of writing a weekend. Wow. Uh, so you can write I a lot of stuff. I am naturally hyper focused. So uh, once I get into a story, I, I can fall in and. Uh, night will turn to day and then day will turn to night again. And it's like, oh, I didn't realize I've been at the computer that long. Yes, I'm the same way. I'll be like, well, what, how long have I been sitting here? Oh, no, I have not really. Because <laughs> I will yeah, be someday. Anymore. I, I remember I, I remember my wife come by one time. She said, are you going to ever come in here? I'm like, what is it? I said, it's only been like an hour. She said, Joe. She said, it was it was one o'clock in the afternoon when you went in there. It's midnight. I'm like, what? Oh, I'm like, get I the hell out of here. I did, and I completely zoned out. I mean, whatever I was into, especially if I get into like, if I'm in the middle of website building or something, oh yeah, um, I'll just zone out into it. Cause usually, usually when I'm building a website, it, it means creating banners and creating all kinds of other little things along the way. So I and just I like zone out into things. So I stay at it a lot longer than maybe mm -hmm. I should. I well, right now I'm doing, uh, I'm doing uh, two years of writers at a few futures pictures right now. So oh, wow. it's a boring thing to do. So I just zone out and I'll have something else going on a computer. I might even be listening to like mission earth or something while I'm doing mm -hmm. it. And uh, I'll just zone out into it. I'll be listening to that and then putting everything up and getting it done. Cause right now I'm just posting them all. And then I'll go back and, and pick out particular people and make little groups of them. Like, you know, the staff and then some of the uh, writers that I may have too many pictures of, I'll, I'll put them in little pockets of pictures oh. and, uh, and that way they can look at them and, take some or say, Joe, that picture's got to go. That is ungodly hideous. Because um, some of these pictures are like, <laughs> you know, you, sometimes you just catch people with their oh, mouth yeah. open or their eye twitching or something. Yeah. It's not like it's intentional. It just happens. Um, and uh, I got a couple of the boss and all of them. I got some good ones of John. I got some good ones of Emily too and Joni. And, uh, and oh, I, like to harass, yeah, I, I like to harass Joni because she lets me sit up front at the Kayla and uh, – She's like, she said, okay, sit here and behave. I'm like, okay. She seems like a very amazing person. She so is. I'm looking forward she, to meeting her. The first two years she came and sat by me because she thought I was going to get in trouble because she knows how I am. I'm like, I'm going to behave. We're at the gate. I'm well behaved. I said, I'm going to tux. I'm well behaved. <laughs> and, and then last year she moved me. She put me on the other side of where I see because uh, what's her name? Uh, Beatrice, I think is her name. She, she had this, these great dreads on. And uh, so she said, well, well, they need to see us. So that's fine. Just put her here and put me over here. And as soon as they did, they switched the camera from the other way. <laughs> I was laughing. I was laughing. I said, that's just that girl right there. She just wanted to get me in cam. That's all. It's, uh, it, it's a lot of fun. That I mean, you're going to enjoy, you know, it's, uh, I know a lot of people get nervous when they go up to do the, the lectures, but they do. Oh, uh, I do. <laughs> but you're going to, you're going to get, uh, uh, you know, you're going to get, uh, I think the day before they do the, a full walkthrough with everybody and, Oh, they uh, do. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, there's definitely a rehearsal. Uh, so you get it. And uh, Emily's in charge of all the stuff that goes on with the gala. And she's just a sweetie pie. Oh, she. Uh, okay. Yeah, I've so met she, Emily and I've met John. Uh, yeah. They're real, really nice people. Yeah, John. John and I are usually just harassing people. 
Uh, I mean, he's the boss, but I, we, we both are doing media work while we're there. So, you know, and you'll see us sometimes you'll catch both of us. We'll have, have breakfast a lot of mornings and we'll talk a little while. And then he goes off and does whatever, or we'll both be in the classes together doing stuff. And you'll see Maliva, who's doing all the pictures. You'll see me harassing the crap out of her, actually. <laughs> and because uh, we, we, well, I, I look just meeting her too. She seems yes, really nice. I just got used to doing pictures with her because she's this tall. So I shoot over her head now, right? So she goes, I'm letting, because they were short one person last year. She's, I'm giving Chelsea the camera. Well, Chelsea's like six foot tall. Oh, I'm wow. Like, I'm like, Maliva. I said, now I get the back of Chelsea's head in like 30 pictures. <laughs> <laughs> starts laughing she's like, that's not funny that won't happen um, to me i'm like five four uh, so so but but they'll, you're gonna see um you know like the uh, reveal events and stuff like that it's a lot of emotion goes on there it's uh all the events are great and, it's and, really uh, a class act and it's it is they one do of really those things work. that was on my writer's bucket list so i'm yeah. really thrilled that, that i mean they they, they do a really, really good job you know they do the sign-ins they do you know the artwork. I mean, it's all great, and the, the judges are great. And you, you'll find that even the illustrated judges will, you know, come out and chat with you and stuff. Oh, neat! Um, especially when whoever does your artwork, you know, they may actually talk with them or talk with you. And yeah, I can't uh, wait to see mine. You know, so it's it's it's. Oh, what's the name of your story? I meant to ask you this, and I completely forgot. Oh, it's called Summer of Thirty Years. Summer of Thirty. You see, because I'm gonna read y'all's, yours, his, yours, John, and and James right off the bat because I've already talked to y'all, so they'll be fresh in the back of my head when I see y'all. And um, it, but you know, it's one of the rules. I one of the things I teach when I when I do the class. I said, don't let host bullshit you when they told you they've read your story. I said, call them out on it. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, what do you think about this part of the story? Oh, okay. And they'll be like, well, uh, yeah, I said, no, they, they busted. So I said, you only need to do that on a host that's being aggressive or aggravating. I said, I said, that will shut a host up like, uh-oh. <laughs> I look like an idiot now. Okay, I'll remember that. Because yeah, so, I tell them all the time, I said, you know, sometimes when hosts bring you on, they're not, sometimes they're not always intentionally trying to be aggravating or mean. But a lot of hosts, yeah, that. but a lot of hosts, that's just the, the way they do things. They think they get mm. more ratings that way. Oh, okay. and, and, and I tell everybody the same thing. If, if you're ever in an interview, interview where someone's abusing you or taking, say thank you for the interview and click or thank you for the interview and walk away. Um, there's no oh, okay. reason. There's never no because, you know, everybody says there's no such thing as bad press. In a lot of ways, there's not. But when you're on stage and someone's just physically abusing you, like on a TV show, it just makes you look bad. When yeah. you get up, when you get up or leave, you, you take the power back and they look bad. So, because if you make your if you make your guest leave, you automatically look bad. You can say whatever bullshit you want after the guest leave. Most people are going to look at you like, "No, that, that was wrong. You, you went too far, or whatever." Um, even crazy Howard Stern had to learn that. Uh, you know, it's 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 just stuff. You know, it's just little stuff that you learn, and and uh, and there's lots of uses for media. There's lots of ways to use media. Lots of lots of places to contact. You know, I tell people all the time, don't limit yourself to writing your book, contact gaming companies, contact uh, companies, um, you know, or, or even, even like right now, Hollywood is looking for writers by the buttloads and they're paying big money because they can't get any. They oh. only got, they only got half the writers back from the strike because a bunch of them decided to retire. Oh yeah. And so, so they're in a bind. Plus everybody's looked at all their material because of COVID. There's just nothing new. And for some reason, now it takes two years to produce a, a small series of 10 episodes. 
Um, and people get bored. They don't, they don't, they, they leave, you know, they, they're like, come on. And they need, they need writers and illustrators because, you know, when, after a while, we all get tired of waiting two years to see a series, especially when it's yeah. 10, when it's 10 episodes. You just I lose mean, the whole continuity. Yeah. Cause I grew up on a minimum of 25 episodes a year. Now it's 10 episodes a year yep. and, and I got to wait two years to get them. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't it makes me, it, it takes away the loyalty I might have for them. Uh, and I may, I may like with Doctor Who's now and new doctors, it may take me a year to look at a new Doctor Who. Uh, only because that's the way they do. And right now you had three episodes last year and that's not going to have any new until, until 2025. Yeah. I'm, I'm more comfortable waiting so I can enjoy the experience, but mm. I, I love the specials. So I can't wait to. Um, well, the specials are good, but like with David Tennant, they were good. But it's um, and a new doctor looks like he's going to be decent. He looks like he's going to be. Oh, he looks good. amazing. He I does. really enjoyed him on the specials. And, uh, I can't wait to see him. In his he episodes. did. He, he did a good job, and uh, we'll we'll see how he goes. But still, it's two, two years. Is that how you pronounce it? New shooting. Yeah, new shooting. I think that's how you, you pronounce it. It's been it's been a couple of weeks since I've seen it, so I don't I don't want to say for sure. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, I mean, I mean, he did he did he you know the split thing with Tenet was very interesting to start off with. Oh, it was. And, uh, I wasn't that, expecting that, so that was pretty amazing. So, but now that this doctor gets to go run around crazy because the old doctor is healing for everybody at the same exactly. time, which, which is cool. And it does seem like even Tenet's doing a little jumping around in the TARDIS. So, so that that gives him a fallback. I guess they were worried with this guy. I don't know why he's. Um, and Donna got her justice, so that's a good thing. Yes, it's. Um, what do you mean? Who 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 are you talking about? His oh, companion. you. No, no, not you. I was, I was talking. No, somebody was asking, uh, saying something about Jodie Whittaker, and um, oh, Jodie, yeah, Jodie. I'll go back and forth and see. I don't, I don't blame Jodie for the performance. I blame the writers. They went, they I went, agree. they went so woke that half the planet was like, "We're not watching that shit." Well, she's such a talented actress. Yes, she's a good actress. She never really got to nope. blossom on the show. She, she rarely had any real performance where you know it wasn't just something utterly stupid. Yeah, um, they didn't. They didn't give her the the kind of material they gave to some of the other doctors. Exactly. You know, and even it wasn't fair. It, it, no, it wasn't. It was almost like, well, we want this chick to fail, and yeah. Uh, and I never understood that. And I never understood. You know, they, they were talking about. And then they got a big uproar because if you watch the old Doctor Who's, they're not supposed to be. You're not supposed to be able to jump sexist. So the uh, so the old Doctor Who's actually say that that can't happen. They, they go into a lot of reasons why. But anyway, we're in the future now, so it doesn't really matter. But what everybody was bitching about mostly was if we were going to do that, why didn't we just bring River Song back and give her a series? And uh, well, and and I agree, River Song, but still doesn't mean we can't have a female Doctor. River was all for it, so I don't see I don't see what the uh, so you could have had River Song in her own series, just like you had the crazy little chick from the old Doctors. I would have been fine with that. Would have been fine with that. And then, and and as far as Jody being a Doctor, I mean, there was some reserve, but I think I think if she would have had some good writers, she'd be much better remembered. Oh yeah, because I've seen her in a lot of. I love watching. um, I I just consume lots of. Uh, video and shows the, on from the international community. And, yeah. you know, I've seen her in a lot of things and she's really talented and it's just really a shame. Well, they, she, she was asked at some conference and she said, well, I'm not hating. She said, I just, I just don't feel like they knew how to write for me. 
she and said, I agree. She totally. said, she said that that's really what it felt like. And the guy's like, well, what, what for women? He's, he said, no, not, he said, cause they could write for river song and stuff. He said, I just, I just, I don't think they knew quite what my range of talents were and how to use them. And, and I think she was right. And I, I or e- either that, or it was intentional one or the other, but but you know, and uh, well then that's everybody had a big stink when Peter Cable came the cat the doctor because no one ever had seen a doctor uh, who had been part of a show before. But, right, but right. what they don't remember this is if you go back to the old doctor that actually happened before. So yes, one of the old doctors was actually a friend of the doctor who became the doctor. Yeah, so it's not the first time that happened. So there's precedence for that, and there's some stuff. You know, it's sometimes I think people get caught too much on the lore, and I understand that we have lore for certain reasons because without it, it's not really a series, right? And um, and that's what pretty much destroyed Discovery. But um, that's because I tell this all the time to people. I like Discovery. It's sci-fi. I think it's great sci-fi. I, I think uh-huh. it's fun. I think it's great fun sci-fi. As Star Trek, it sucks because it's it's too far outside of where Gene Roddenberry would be. One, yeah. it's 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 uh, the Klingon War was completely ass backwards. It's not how it actually happened. And there's there's several series that talks about the Klingon War, but for some reason, the Discovery just just chose to just ignore all of that yeah, and uh, and go and go and then well, that's why they had to go to the future because they were in trouble. There was no, nowhere okay. to go. No. Yeah, they, they they had screwed up so bad inside of what, what the time frame was, you know, because. People knew what the time frame was. We knew yeah. what the time was. We knew when Kirk came in. We knew where um, the captains were. So this exactly. wasn't. Uh, it's 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 you know, they and it's the youngins that come in. So we'll make it better. Well, no, not always. And sometimes you f it up. Sometimes you don't make it better. What's that, Janice? Exactly. I, I like any good sci-fi, and I have nothing against. Me too. Uh, you mean the girl who plays the captain? No, I have nothing against her. She, I think she actually plays a good good captain. She's just. She was thrown into a role that was thrown out of sync. Right. Yeah, she's not who started the Klingon War. She was just stuck in the in a position. She's nothing she could do, but she's not the writer. She's not the producer. She's the actress. She just so, has to read her yeah. lines. And and she just yes, yeah, but she has to do. She has to do her job. And uh, so I thought she did it. I thought she did a good job. I thought it was good sci-fi. I just didn't think it was good Star Trek. And, um, yeah. and most of the country agreed that. That's why it didn't get renewed. It's uh, but. It was still fun, and I liked Giorgio as a captain. I thought she was freaking hilariously good as an evil empress and captain. I, I enjoyed her. I thought she. I thought they should give her a job, maybe give her a damn series or something. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, that would be great. I was like, she was fun, but it's. Uh, what do you mean, give Data a series? What do you think I Data should have? That. A- I'd love to see Data in his own series. Oh, you you mean Data can make a new Data? You mean a kid for Data, and he could be have his own series? Well. Anything is possible. I, I don't know. I've watched that. <laughs> well, well, Chris, you know, Babylon 5 tried that. They were going to try bringing, uh, what's his name, give what's his name a son and let him take over the Rangers, but it just didn't make it. It happens. No, there is a new Babylon, but I think it's a cartoon. I'm pretty sure it's a cartoon. Oh, is it? Yeah, I'm, I'm almost positive it's a cartoon. I like any good sci-fi. I like, well, I, okay, we, I know we got to get out of here, but look, I like sci-fi. I like near time sci-fi for one reason. Like so, if we talk about Babylon, or we talk about Expanse, or we talk about Altered Carbon, or several others, even that crazy old nineteen ninety nine movie, they were all done in a way that the science was close enough for us to believe it. Right. You know, so you could say okay, and the politics were so. 
Babylon and Altered Carbon and, and even Expanse were basically sci-fi soap operas based in politics is what they were. Uh, I mean, the politics in Babylon were real. It is how it is how our world would do business out in space because that's how we do business right here, right now. Um, yeah, and 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 in and in Altered Carbon, it would have been like that if, if we had been living for four or five hundred years with these way we could change out to new bodies all the time. It would be pretty much how our world would be. So I got to give them credit. And an expanse is just simply taking the world and moving it forward, you know, two or 300 years based on, on, on exploring our solar system, which we're doing and we're going to colonize. Mm -hmm. I mean, Elon's already telling you he's planning on putting 2 million people on Mars. So, I mean, so those are like, because I can, I can sit back and think, okay, you know, this is close to reality. Uh, this may or may not be what's going to happen in the next 200, 400, 500 years. Sometimes they get a little crazy and go out, you know, 2,000 years, and you're like, really? Well, I don't know what the hell's going to happen in 2,000 years. I can't even. Well, because, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking, if you go back to the 2000 World Fair or even the 1900 World Fair, yes. and you go listen to all the promos before those World Fairs, none of that shit came to pass. No. I'm still waiting on my damn flying car, by the way. Me too. Where is my flying car? That's it. I, I want my damn, and I don't want that stupid little carbonated flying car. That's not a real flying car. <laughs> no, I want the real thing. I, I, somebody said, well, what do you mean the real? I said, I want the George Jetson flying car. Yes. That Sorry, that was in, a picture in my head. Yeah, I said, that thing can go in space. That thing can go everywhere. Exactly. Uh, well, no, they have a flying car right now, but it's it's a joke. It's it's a carbon. It's It's made out of carbon. It's Ooh. very light. It's basically a drone with seats in it. Oh. It's, it's got like four engines on. It's it's basically a drone with that's seats in it. interesting. So that's coming. I mean, that's actually going to be legal soon, and you don't even have to have a, a thing to fly. They also got another one that's a little bitty plane that can land and it can fold up and turn into a car. You don't have to have a license for that I've either. I've read about that one too. And now they got one that can do that and also go in the war. So – Nice. If it'll get so, me out of the TSA lines, I'm I know. Uh, <laughs> well, you think about it. I mean, if, if we all had cars, so you mean my car would do about 160 at max speed. So if I could do that in the air, man, I'm cutting trip time down all oh, over the place. Yeah. And you don't have to follow roads that, you know. Nope. You and I don't have to go get in crowded airplanes full of COVID. Um, yeah, exactly. You can just point A to B. So, so Marsh, to be totally honest with you, I've been to LA five times in the last five years, and three of those times I came back with COVID. Oh wow! And I don't think I got it at right as of the future. I'm pretty sure both times I got it on a freaking airplane, and I wore a mask. I actually was wearing a mask and leaning against, falling asleep in a window. And, and I'm pretty sure you still got it, yeah. Because I could tell I was like five days or six days into the conference, I started feeling rough, and then I was like, "Well, then I told them I don't want to get around people because I don't know if I got it or not. And I don't want to give it to anybody, you know." Exactly. And, and everybody's like, well, we want to talk to you. Well, no, we ain't talking to me. That ain't happening. <laughs> well, because I don't want to make anybody else sick. And, and then, But then I found that some other people, two of them had it. So maybe I didn't get it on a plane. But uh, And they were both the times they were mild case or three times they were mild cases, not compared to the first time I got it. But Oh, yeah. I've had it once, and it was brutal. The first time I got it almost killed me. I was I had it for 16 days. Uh, it actually put my hospital, my wife in the hospital for 11 days. Oh my and, God. Uh, it was, it was horrible. It was, it was what that, what COVID they said really was. The three times after that have been way different. Minor. Hard, hardly no fever, not really sick. Oh wow. Uh, I had 104 uh, fever for a week when I had it. 
It yeah, was the, the first time, oh, yeah, it was horrible. It was, now, this time when my wife got it, I had already had it. I had it too long, but she went and got the Paxlovax, and it kicked it out in three days. Mm. I mean, she still felt bad for those three days, but it kicked it out. I was like, well, look at this. Because I'm not a big fan on gene-changing uh, vaccines. Uh, I don't. I took the master, this Johnson & Johnson one three times because it was traditional, and it was made out of the virus just like our flu virus. But the Madura and the Pfizer made me nervous because their RNA – they're, uh, I forgot what the, what the actual number is, but they change your genes. And and I didn't like the fact that they change. And then now we've got all this stuff about, oh, people are suing them because they lost hair. Uh, people are suing them for all sorts of things. Cancer rates going up. Too that didn't happen to me, but. <laughs> well, you're lucky. But actually, legitimately, it did happen to a lot of people, enough people that there's a class action suit now. And, oh, wow. uh, and, and it's just. You know, and then they're trying to argue: was it the vaccine, or was it with the COVID, or was it both? Well, you know, well, because if it's if it's if it's the COVID, there's nobody to sue but China, and you ain't getting nothing out of China. No, no. And if it's the vaccine, of course, you can sue Pfizer and Derma, but only to an extent. People don't realize, right? In, in this country, once a vaccine is is accepted by the CDC, um, it's a lot the, harder. What you can sue, but they have like a set number, like fifty grand. There so if yeah. if you would assume Pfizer or somebody before it was set, then it's un, it's open to anything, any kind of money you can get, hundreds of millions of dollars. But once it goes, once it's accepted by the the, the FDA, FDA, um, then it's a whole different way to change it. Yes, you know who taught me that? A freaking Canadian. Yes, I'm an American, and it took a Canadian to teach me that. And shh, wow. don't ever let her know that either, because I'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> and uh, no, really, I didn't know that. I, I told, I actually told her. She's a friend of everybody you meet. Yeah, I actually told. I said you are so full of it. There's no way we could get away with that. And sure enough, that's how it works. Incredible. I hate being wrong, people. I'm just telling y'all up front. <laughs> but it, it was a scene. But anyway, I got, I got to let this lazy lady get out of here. I know she got a life to take care of. Uh, it was very fun. So we got a good interview in tonight. Um, it, it'll be available. It'll be available on YouTube in just a few minutes. It'll populate okay. up there on its own. So I think it's going to be on uh, UFO gods and extraterrestrials and UFO paranormal radio. So that's what's on YouTube. It's also okay. on Facebook. Um, later today or tomorrow morning, it will be on the rest on SoundCloud and all the rest of, in the audio form, not in video. So you'll Perfect. be able to pull it. And these are always the same thing. I'm going to tell this to the other guys. Y'all are welcome to use these in any way you want to. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. No. That, that we do these so that y'all can have them. Like when we do the other one, the other one will be a little bit more pointed in case y'all want to use them for like a resume or something like that. So oh, we'll, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll be a little bit more pointed in the questions and we'll bring out some stuff, you know, just, just personal stuff. Not when I say personal, I don't mean like, you know, real hardcore personal, but mm -hmm. personal enough the things that people might want to see about you on a resume and things like that. Okay. Uh, and we do that because it's, it's for y'all to use. I want, look, I want to see all y'all succeed. I want to be invited to places like, oh, I know her. Oh, my God. Did you see the freaking movie she wrote? Oh, my God. I'm calling. I got a damn phone. I got an email. Hold on. Right. Do I need to get into this? At least send me a damn autograph or something. Um, but it's true. I mean, you, you don't know who it's going to be. True. And and just, just since I've been here, they have produced, what, 12, 24, 36, 48, and 60. I've met 60 authors and 60 illustrators uh, since I've been here. Oh, well, we'll be 60 with this year. Uh, so, I mean, that's a big chance that someone went, plus they've got how over many other a dozen books, yeah. bestsellers too, from what yeah. I read. 
Yeah, and they and they've got all these other books, and uh, not all of them. Are, I found that with John just recently, not all of the anthologies are available, but most of them are. Oh. Um, well, if you can't find one at a book place, or if, if Galaxy Press, if it's out of press, don't forget you can always get uh, used the books. Used bookstore, yeah. That's how I got the first one. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's some way. It's the only way to go on some books today. Yeah. Uh, there's one left at Eastgate, which is uh, about the Rendlesham Forest experiments with all the military people. The only place you can get it today is in a damn uh, used book. And they still want like a hundred bucks in a used book. Wow. Yeah, well, it's hard to get. It's a true story, but it's hard to get. Well, they say it's a true story, but you know, I mean, truth in what? Uh, exactly. You know, all we know is some shit went down for three days, and a lot of stuff was seen, but no one's ever been. Uh, the Larry Warren guy, I voice stressed, and he was also polygraphed by the number one polygrapher in the UK because they're making a movie called Capel Green. And Ooh. he passed both times. Um, no one, none of the other witnesses will take a polygraph. Really? Which bothers me. And um, Colonel Halt, I, I asked him point blank. I said, dude, I said, I'm friendly. I said, I'm pro this event. I said, I'm not trying to disprove anything. I said, I'm just trying to give you more, more stuff to fight with. Exactly. And say yes, you know, this is what you've seen, because uh, John uh, John Burroughs and Jim Peniston said all of a sudden they got in this time traveling stuff and all kind of other stuff. They just kept adding and adding and adding oh, to wow. it, to the story. So I, I finally just said, "Look, either shut up or get polygraphed." I said, "Because now I, I I'm thinking you're full of you know what." I said, yeah, the, "Oh, yes, y'all all hate on Larry, but he he took the polygraph from voice stress. Y'all won't." I said, so who here is really the liar? And uh, and then Colonel Hall said, well, and then he was going to do it, and then for some reason he didn't. So, hmm. yes, John, I have a degree in voice stress analysis, body language, facial recognition. Yes, I do. I have oh, a wow. private investigator's license. Yes, I can. I do. I have advanced hypnosis courses. It's uh yes, I, I believe in a wide range of educations. Well, because you never know when you're going to need one of them. Exactly. And Klein, 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 that's your name, right, Klein? Let me tell you something. So you're saying you can't be hypnotized, right? That means you're dumb as dirt. Your IQ is like 50. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make you mad, but the smarter you are, the easier it is to hypnotize you. Yes. Really? Yes. The smarter you are, the easier it is to put you under. Mainly because certain levels of IQ and above have a, a much better concentration. Dumb people have a hard time concentrating. Okay. It's about you know, the concentration. It is. It is. It's, well, there's a couple other things that go along with it, but that's one of the main factors. Um, well, because also uh, smart people a lot of times will, uh, will accept hypnosis for what it is. When you explain to it correctly, what, hypnosis is, is, is something, is, is a tool that can be used to retrieve memories and stuff like that. Um, it has to be done in a certain way. I'm very strict on it because I don't want false memories. Uh, so when, when we, let's like if Lisa told me something about it, something that happened in her life, I would say, okay, Lisa, on October 19th of, of 2019, at this time, I just need you to tell me about this event. I'm not going to ask you any questions. I just want you to start from the beginning and go all the way to the end. And oh, then I'm going to say, I'm going to say at the end, I'm going to say, well, why don't you go backwards and, and rehash these events? Then we're going to stop all the tapes. We're all going to sit down, maybe have dinner, get some coffee. And we're going to go through all the video and because we had the voice stress meters running as well. So like if I ask you a question, say about something that happened 
and that voice me to spiked eight or nine times. Well, then you and I would focus on what we can ask about that question. Okay. If it didn't move at all, it would either indicate that there was no fear or it was just an outright lie. So, okay. So it helps to, to go, to know where to go because when you're talking to people, you can't use any types of words. Like if they were abused by someone, you can't use those words because that's right. just feeding it. If they said aliens came and got him, you can't use the word alien. You can't use the word spacecraft. You can't use the word great. You can't use any of that. I need you because yeah, it, 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 it's in their head, especially if they're like at a level five or, or higher. Uh, they're very susceptible. Yeah. So you'll hear me say something. Well, you told me you seen something or someone on this particular night. Can you describe to me what okay. they look like? And then you'll go into detail about what it is. And then, then I can ask you, and then I can ask you after you do me all the descriptions, well, what do you actually think it is? And then you can tell me. Hmm. And then that goes into the hypnosis session. And we can say, okay, suspectedly, maybe she saw a gray or something else on this particular night. But it allows us to move around. So like if it's a poltergeist activity or if it's a paranormal activity, it gives us room or if it's just bullshit, it gives us room to move around. Okay. And with the voice stress meter running next to a, to a poly, I mean, with the, you know, the voice stress meter running next to hypnosis, it makes it really hard to lie. Um, and, and the real reason is, is because most people forget it's there after a little while. Because that, it's actually sitting, yeah, it's actually sitting on the side behind your head and it doesn't make any noise. So you, you just forget it. Say, I can see it and the tape can see it, but no one else can see it. So but the subject forgets it. Okay. Yeah, they, they forget it's there. And we make you actually bring a, a little mini tape recorder with you and put it on your chest to record everything that comes out of your mouth because we don't want it to be relied just on us. We want you to know everything that was said from your mouth because you were on the hypnosis. We actually ask, we usually actually will ask that you bring someone with you that you trust implicitly that can sit there and listen to the whole thing. We do. We always bring someone with us because we're just protecting ourselves uh, because you never know, you never know who's going to be a crazy person and, uh, or who's going to say this, that, or the other thing. So it's, it's just, and that way everybody feels protected. So it makes it, the sessions much calmer much more relaxed. You don't have to worry about it. Is the guy doing hypnosis? The girl didn't have pervert or something, you know, there's no need to worry. Your friends there, your tape recorders there, our friends there, you know, no, this is going to be a nice, peaceful, calm session. So you can relax in to where you need to be. Plus yes, there are two sources so that if one tried to say, oh, well, you said this, you can say, well, I uh, have the tape and I didn't that's say right. that. And, and that's the way you want it to be because you don't want somebody, because I've seen this happen before where hypnosis sessions are done and then the guy or the girl who does a session takes the information, changes it and turns it into a book. Oh. about your, and they will say, oh, it was about such and such as experience. Because if they write it that way, they don't have to give you actual credit for it uh, or give you any money out of it. So, wow. uh, so, you know, in our organization, it's different. We, matter of fact, all of our researchers are under a non-disclosure agreement. They can't even disclose information without, so they have to get permission from us. Um, then they also have to get permission from the per individual they're talking about written permission. Okay. Uh, Cause if not, they can't say anything. Well, exactly. it's, it's, it, well, it's a protect everybody, you know? Yeah, know. exactly. And people get mad sometimes when they work for organizations or they get burnt out and they might decide, well, I can do this, that, no, we're not putting nope. up with that shit. We're not putting up with not it. Without but permission. You was a blast to talk with. I hope you have a great evening. I'm going to go find me some food because every time I do interviews, I get hungry. That's why I'm 500,000 pounds. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, no, you were great. You were oh, great. Wow. I, um, I'll, I'll look forward to seeing you after we go through all the hell days. And uh, I don't know how it's going to work this year because – I don't know if they're bringing us in early or what, because I noticed the gala is on a Thursday when it's usually on yeah, a Friday. Yeah, it's on a Thursday. 
So I don't know if they're bringing us in a day early because they do five days of classes or if we're going to do a class after the gala. I haven't really asked John. I haven't had a ta- chance to talk to so I'm kind of curious. I was going to ask Emily tonight, but she seemed like she was fidgety with something. So I wanted to leave her alone. And, uh, you know, she can be, she can be, no, just get, she's a sweetie fat. She, I'm the only one that gets away with torture in many ways. That was <laughs> last year I was saying something to her and, and one of two of the, the new people were like, did you just say that to Emily? I said, yeah, Emily's a pain in my ass. And Emily <laughs> turned around and she said, I'm going to be a pain in your ass. You better get over here and leave me alone. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're pretty good. I'm, I'm I'm good friends with most of them now. So, and Joni and like when you get to meet Joni, it's it's a she amazes me. Out of everybody there, she amazes me because she takes the call, she does all the stuff, she makes sure everybody gets where it's supposed to be. Uh, she has everything going on. She always asks me if I'm okay when I come in. She checks on me four or five times during the oh, event. Oh wow! And yeah, she seems like a real sweetheart. I'm like, so I told her last, I said, I'm a grown ass man. And I said, you don't have to check on me. She said, I just want to make you okay. I'm like, okay, just check me anytime you want. And, <laughs> and she does. She takes real good care of me to hold a good time. And, uh, which makes me feel like family because they don't have to. I am after the, I mean, granted, they're getting favors out of me, but still, I am, you know, kind of like family over there now. So, uh, that's really cool. And, you know, you'll get to go to Arthur Services. They got a great coffee. If you like coffee, they got a fucking great coffee machine there. Okay. They got one of them um, copper ones, the big ones. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> I was in there. I had, uh, I can't think of her name right now. I had her making me all kind of coffee. I was like, come on, <laughs> let's let's try this kind. Let's try this. She's like, Joe, like, let's get some of this. She said, you really like this coffee machine, don't you? I said, shit, if John wouldn't notice, I'd take this bitch home with me. <laughs> it's probably like a 10 grand coffee machine, but still. I said, yeah, I'll put my luggage. I know it will. I said, he won't notice. I'll put it in a box. There you go. I said, I'll have it. I'll, I'll ship that son of a bitch overnight or something. I, I, I don't even think I, I don't even think I would know, know how to work today. I'm to be honest with you, but you'd have to call him and say, "I have your machine." Right? Then he'd be referring me to what's her face. No, you got to talk to her. But I mean, um, it's a great place. It's a great building. There's a lot of fun stuff in there. A lot of great material in there. Um, I've been there several times. It's a and it's a good place to just sit and relax. I got a ton of books in there. Okay, uh, great. I think all of Elrond's uh, stuff is in there. Okay. Because um, people give me give me trouble all the time about, you work for Scientology. I was like, do I? I said, I, I said, maybe look at my paycheck and see what it says. I said, oh, and it don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Elrond um, Hubbard wrote some amazing articles about writing fiction. So uh, he did. He's, he's forward to seeing some of these. I, um, a lot of his works, I appreciate, um, you know, I know he gets a bum rap on a lot of stuff, but the more I look into it, uh, the more I find that it's not quite what we were all told. Um, you know, cause I did, I, I actually had eight of my, of my top conspiracy hosts working on it. And oh. these, these girls are, Oh my God, they're a pain in my ass at what they are. But when I put them on something, so I said, I want you to find every bad thing you can find about Scientology. And I want it within two weeks. So they had a they had, they said right, we got a ton of stuff. And what it came down to was were about ten people uh, that was basically just upset because they were no longer Scientologists. Um, so it was it was kind of angry because um, I talked to Leah Remy's co-host and uh, Mike whatever his name is and a couple of other people that were uh-huh. on uh, the Netflix series, and uh, I got all kind of mixed signals. And then the one girl told me. Oh, I was in the trunk. I wasn't in the trunk. I was in the trunk. I wasn't in the trunk. So I called Emily. I said, Emily, was this bitch in the trunk or not? Emily said she was in the trunk. I said, all right. So I called back. I said, I know for sure you were in the trunk. Let's go on from that point. And um, and that's another thing because I can talk to them and I can go back and push John or Emily to answer 
what I think needs to be answered. So, and so far, and I got to be honest with you about this. I have not asked a question in four years, not yet, that was even hesitated to be answered. And I've asked some pretty pertinent, I've asked some pretty personal and pertinent questions. And, and I've brought up stuff in, in, in groups before, which should have made them mad. They didn't even get upset. Um, so I'm like, well, I said, that just tells me they're not hiding anything like everybody said they were hiding. So, so right now they're on my good side, unless they do something crazy. I'm not going to worry about them. <laughs> and, well, cause you, you hear all these stories and I'm like, you do about everything. And it's really hard to, to, uh, parse them. It is. And then I, then I did a thing. And then the guy was telling me something about him one time. I said, well, let, let's look at it from a different way. He's like, what do you mean? I said, so we can find 10 events about them. I said, let me go see what I can find about the Catholic church. I said, oh shit. In about 10 minutes, I can find about 300. And he's like, he's like, well, you got a point. I said, well, let's look at some other religions. I said, so if we go by religions and what kind of trouble they've been in, I said, Scientology is way at the bottom of the list. I said, I'm not sure why they hate something happened. And I'm pretty sure I know what it was that happened in the fifties or sixties. Uh, there was a, um, Elrond had come up with a new way to help people get out of the hospital faster treatment because oh. he, he'd gone to visit and a bunch of his guys were taking two months to get out, three months. And he's like, this, you know, have to see shrinks and all. He said, this, this, this has to be a better way. Well, he came up with a better way and, uh, started getting them out a lot faster and I was making friends doing it. And then all of a sudden the U S government got the bright idea. They were going to build an insane asylum in Alaska and start shipping people there that they thought should be sent in. Not that your oh doctor said, but they oh thought. My God. So Elrond, like a dummy decided to stand up for it. And after that, it pretty much damaged his career from that point forward. He got it stopped. He really did. He, he stopped it. And, and you can find that. You can read, go backwards and read in the past. He just stepped our ass. John, John will probably tell you better than I did, but um, at that point, though, I think it really hurt his career. He pissed off a lot of people, you know, pissing off senators and congressmen. It's it's going to come back to bite your ass no matter what. Yeah, there were a lot of blacklists in the fifties. Yes, and especially if if you were picking on the liberals, you know, all all certain media were going to hate on you. So it's just it's um. And a friend of mine said, "You hate on liberals." I said, "No, I hate on everybody." I said, "Because I got liberal friends, I got conservative friends, I got independent friends, I got libertarian I friends." Too. I said, "I just, I just, I, I said, I believe in the openness of our system." I said, "I just think we need a different kind of party." Now. I said, "They need to take the central people from the Democrats, the Republicans, and the independents and make a party out of them." And if they did it right, what you would get is you would get a, a middleist party that say had fifty-five percent of the control. Not quite enough to get everything done, but enough to get a lot moving. But the way it would really work the best is so when you needed something from the liberals, like let's say we were to tackle a particular thing on abortion. Well, they would already have 55, so they would just do, do – do liberals would come in and help push them over the top. Let's say they needed something from guns. Well, you know, the liberals weren't going to do it, but the conservatives would. So this way, instead of getting what they wanted done, we would actually get what we wanted done. Um, well, it would we be, definitely need more parties. And, and we need a rule – that you can only have X amount of any one uh, job. Because when I was growing up, the Congress was made up of doctors, lawyers, um, right? Uh, med, uh, you know, medical people, farmers, things like that. Today, it's eighty-eight percent lawyers, and they wonder why our country is eighty-eight percent lawyers. Yeah, unless it changed the uh, last census, it was eighty-eight percent lawyers. That's crazy. And, and I'm like, and you want to know why our country's effed up? That's why our country's <laughs> effed up. Because all lawyers do is fight, and they don't want to give in. You Their know? job, yeah, that, that's what it is. And then today, it's all about 
well, we're going to fight. And then, oh, oh, you know what? And if you're in the House, I mean, you, gotta, you get reelected every two years. So you're basically get elected and you're already back on the campaign trail. So mm-hmm. what are you getting done? And, yeah. then, and then the Senate gets six years. But still, even there, within a year or two, they're back on the on the campaign trail. So I'm kind exactly. of like, so maybe, exactly. maybe two terms for senators, that would be 12 years. And six terms for the House, that'd be 12 years. And that's it. Get you, Go retire. Go be or go be a governor or a mayor or something. Yeah. Get the help of the Senate, though. Because uh, the only, only place I, I don't, I can't see um, term limits is on the Supreme Court. Because I'm not sure how they would work that out. Because there would be too much power. Like no, if you, because if you had like three of them's terms come due at one time, it would be whoever was in power got those three seats. Like the Republicans did poor Obama. Um, that's how it ended up being. And, and so we can't let that happen because that would really screw shit up. But, and then you'd have campaigning right in the middle of yeah, so, cases. So it, it's, you know, they're going to have to keep that like, but everything else can have term limitations. Everything else can have it. Um, and, and I'm all for it. And you know what? Every I've, I've interviewed several congressmen and, and seven other people, and uh, everyone I've talked to said we need term limitations. Every senator, every House rep, every every aide I've talked to all say the same thing. We need, we wow. need. But yet, they're the only ones that can do it. Right. So what's holding them back? Yeah, what's holding them back? Yeah, I ain't giving up my power. Um, they, oh. there, there's a way for the Americans to vote on it. They could. I don't know if they have enough time right now, but. Uh, they could put it up as a as a U.S. vote, a federal vote, mm. and the whole country could vote. And then I still think, even with the whole country voting, I think we're going to want term limitations. Uh, I, I maybe not. I mean, maybe these crazy New Yorkers and Cali people will just vote and say no because they want their people to stay in office. I said, but I, I really think it'd make a difference. And I would think you would see I think a trans, and I think you'd see a transition of the party. Sometimes you might not see all we all Democrats in Cali anymore. You might not see all. Uh, Republicans in Texas anymore. You might see some changes because of that. Uh, you know, people are like, well, you know, if we're going to get them out in six years anyway, let's think about who we actually really want there instead of, yeah. in, instead of, oh, you know, Ron Paul's going back because that's Ron Paul's seat or, or Chavez is going back there because that's his seat or Nancy Pelosi's going back because that's her seat. Yeah. That's their seat. It shouldn't be that way. Yeah, it shouldn't be. And it's the same. But anyway, you go enjoy your evening. If you need anything, holler at me. Like I said, this will be up in a little while, so it's free to use. And uh, the video, and uh, we like I said, the video up will be in two minutes. As soon as I hit uh, in storm stream, it's going to go right to YouTube and publish. Sounds so great. Right Thanks again. I'll see you Thank in you. a couple of weeks and uh, enjoy the time. Girl, it's going to be fun. I do too. Thank it's you so be much. Crazy. But the only advice I can give you get lots of sleep before you go. Okay. <laughs> Will do. Thank you. Thank you, sweetie. Let's see. In stream, in stream.